When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Coming up on episode 228 of Wheel Bearings, we've got the 2282 Honda Civic Hatchback Sport Touring, the Mini SE, the Lucid Air, the Chevy Silverado EV, Chrysler's Airflow concept, and where the Chrysler brand is headed in the coming years. Waymo and Geely hook up to build a custom robo-taxi, uh, interview with Chris Fuel, the CEO of the Chrysler brand, and a whole bunch of listener questions. All that and more coming up next. Did you know you can support Wheel Bearings directly? Head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia and you can become a patron today. Your contributions will help fund the platforms and tools we use to bring the podcast to you. And exclusives and improvements are already on the way thanks to your generosity. So if you want to be part of an automotive podcast like no other, head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia. This is episode 228 of Wheel Bearings, the first show for 2022. I'm Sam Abu Al Samad from Guidehouse Insights. I am Nicole Wakelin. We'll say Forbes Wheels today. And I am Roberto Baldwin, and we're going to say Tom's Guide. There's a man named Tom, and he has a guide. Ooh, a guide <laughs> from Tom. They do cars now? Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, excellent. Uh, They'll do cards as soon as they finish writing up this uh, review. No, <laughs> <laughs> Got to start somewhere. There's always a first car story. All right. Uh, who wants to go first? I think uh, you should go first, Sam. You never go first. All right. I'll go first. On the spot. Um, I have right now the 2022 Honda Civic Hatchback Sport Touring in the driveway. Uh, and it happens to be in the same shade of red as the 2017 Honda Civic EX hatchback that lives in our garage, you know, 365 days a year. Um, and, um, it, you know, I'm, I like driving it. I really like driving it. <laughs> I'm less enamored with the design, the new design of the 22 Civic. Um, really? you know, I think the, the last generation when they brought that out, I really liked the design. It was such a departure from the, the previous couple of generations, you know, which were kind of bland looking. Um, you know, the, the, the last one, the 2016 to 2021 Civic was, I think, quite a bold design, both the sedan and the coupe and, and the hatchback. And so much so that uh, when that when the hatchback came out, you know, my wife decided that was the car she wanted to replace the Jetta TDI wagon that was going back to Volkswagen. Uh, and we love that car. It's a fantastic car. And the new one, you know, it's, it's not bad, but 
it's it's a little dull. It's um, it's got less ooh. pizzazz. It definitely has a lot less pizzazz. Uh, at I least on the outside. Yeah, I think there's a lot of pizzazz with the previous generation. Yeah, uh, and it's, in some in some ways maybe a little too much, especially on the back end of the hatchback, was maybe a the, the, too the, much pizzazz. The, the big fake <laughs> vents in the in the rear corners. Um, but but aside from that, you know, we really like the shape of the old one and the new one. Uh, you know, it's it's roughly the same size. I think it's about an inch longer. Um, uh, it looks very much like the uh, current generation of the Accord. You know, like a seven eight scale Accord, especially the sedan, uh, and and even even the hatchback, you know, is pretty close to that. You know, it's it's almost uh, like a like the sedan, but with the trunk, you know, for, where instead of the trunk lid ending at the bottom of the rear glass, it extends up around the rear glass, and the whole the whole back end opens up. So, you know, in cars this size. I am absolutely a, a huge booster of hatchbacks because, you know, especially with modern, you know, compact and midsize uh, sedans, because they've all gone to the fastback profile, which I have no, no issue with. I like it. Uh, but if you're going to do a trunk with that kind of profile, it inevitably ends up meaning you have a very small trunk opening. Mm-hmm. Um, and even with a fold down rear seat, it limits what you can put in the back. The hatchback, you've got this big, giant rear opening uh, that you can put all kinds of stuff in there, uh, which can be very, very handy. And then when you put the seat, the the rear seat, fold the rear seats down, it becomes even more so. Uh, so, the the current you know, the the twenty two Civic hatchback, uh, you've got twenty four and a half cubic feet behind the rear seats, which is uh, roughly about twice the volume that's available in the in the sedan. Uh, and then you can fold those seats down and you can put really large objects in there, which is, which is fantastic. Um, you know, it's very handy when you're, uh, helping a child move. Um, you can throw all their stuff in the back of that. Very, very useful for that. Uh, the interior is, uh, is a big step up from the previous generation of, uh, Civic, uh, you know, and especially in the one that I'm driving, which is the sport touring, which is the, the top of the line model um it it feels even it feels more premium um you know they've they've shifted away from the uh the the touchscreen interface the touchscreen being embedded in the dashboard like it was on our civic to the the more typical now you know tablet standing up on top of the dashboard layout uh but it does have a volume knob uh and physical (laughs) controls for the climate control it's got it has Rotary knobs that you can twist to adjust the temperature and everything uh, instead of uh, capacitive touch surfaces, which I, I think is much much better solution. Um, it still has uh, basically the same powertrain that's in the, the 17 Civic hatchback. So it's the 1.5 liter turbo uh, with a CVT, uh, which is, you know, the, the 1.5 turbo is a, a lovely engine. Uh, it's quite powerful, quite fuel efficient. Um, you know, we've been very happy with it over the last almost five years now uh, that we've been driving it, <clears throat> and it's it's still great. the The sport um, you get a, a, the sport touring you get uh, I think six extra horsepower, uh, so it's up to 180 horsepower now uh, compared to the uh, 174 that was it's in the 2017 that we have. Unfortunately, um, you cannot get uh, a Wait, I don't think you can get a manual 
transmission with this one. Or maybe you can. The one I have has the CVT, which is, you know, as CVTs go, is, is not a bad CVT. But, um, you know. If it's a CVT? It's still a CVT. It's still a CVT. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's not, it's not as offensive as, as some of them. You know, it, it does have some, you know, uh, steps in there so that you get some of the more traditional feel uh, of, uh, of, of the way a transmission should feel. Uh, oh yeah, the sport. Sorry, the sport touring you can get with a manual tra- six-speed manual transmission. Uh, the only um, of the twenty-two Civics, the only the ones that don't offer the manual are the base LX uh, or the EXL. Both of the the sport and the sport touring models uh, are available with a six-speed manual. So if if what you're if if you are you know one of the few remaining Americans that is interested in driving a car with driving a, you know an actual car uh, like a regular <laughs> car that's not a Miata um, with a manual transmission, this is one of the few options you have left. Uh, there's not many, not many others. Um, and I would definitely, uh, definitely recommend considering this if, you know, if that's what you're, if that's what you're looking for. You know, aside from the styling, you know, which, you know, as we said, is a little less expressive than the previous generation. Uh, it's not bad. It's just, it's just less interesting. Um, you know, I, I really like everything else about this car. It, you know, it drives really well. The, the ride quality is very good. Um, it has, um, you know, it's not great, um, steering feel, but it does have some steering feedback when you're cornering. Um, so it is, it is very enjoyable to drive. Uh, it's quite, quite, uh, reasonably quick. It's, you know, it's fast enough for what, you know, most anybody is going to need for any kind of normal daily driving. It's roomy. Um, the the 2022 model does have about an inch and a half more wheelbase than the um, the 20 the previous generation, uh, so, and almost all of that has gone into rear seat legroom. So the the rear seat legroom was fine in the in the old one. Um, you know I can sit in the back uh, without any problem in in our 2017. Uh, but you have you know an extra up to an extra inch and a half uh, in this new one. So. If you're carrying taller passengers on a regular basis, uh, that's definitely something worth considering. Um, the Civic starts. Uh, let's see, where does it start? Um, the, the the one I'm driving um, is priced at twenty nine thousand four hundred dollars um, MSRP, and then with the delivery charge, it's thirty thousand four hundred fifteen dollars. Which you know, by by today's standards, when you consider that the average transaction prices are now well over forty thousand dollars, this is uh, quite a, a reasonably affordable car. Uh, it's not you know it's not hugely expensive, and you can you can get the the base Civic you know starting at um, I think just over twenty thousand I believe is what it uh, what it goes for, um, and I'll find that in a second. Uh, but you know it. Because cars, you know, nameplates have continued to grow over the years compared to, you know, where they were 10, 15, 20 years ago. You know, the Civic today is about as big as, you know, has about as much interior room as full-size cars did, you know, 25 years ago. Um, You know, you can still get smaller cars, not many of them anymore, but you can still get smaller cars. But the, uh, you know, this is, this is a very roomy car. It's definitely worth, uh, worth consideration. Yeah. So this, the base civic sedan starts at $21,900. Um, and, uh, so that's, 
you know, at the, the lower end of what's available in the market today. There are a few others that you can get that are under 20 grand, but not many left. And that's all I've got on the Civic. What's that? That's it for the Civic? I like That's the Civic. I, I drove it a little a couple of weeks back, and I thought it was good. But I, I do feel like you're you're right about it. It just doesn't have. There's some of the um, the oomph, the panache, the ooh, look at that cool, fun little car is is absent. I don't, I'm assuming on purpose they wanted to turn it down, but I missed that a bit. I think people got a little too like, oh, this is too you know, this is too niche with that old design. They and went they, like so, they, and they did go pretty far last time into the like. They went like car, and it was like they wow. went two steps too far, which yeah, is like great, great for all the the enthusiasts. But I think the regular moms the and regular dads folks and are people like, this who is are too like too much to take uh. to carpool. <laughs> <laughs> but you can get a manual transmission on this thing for yeah. the exact same cost as a CVT. Uh huh. Why would you not do that? Because you don't know how to drive it. Not you. But this is your chance. Other it's but a perfect opportunity chance. to learn. I and, know. And I say Honda, that so often. And, Honda and makes Honda's, great transmissions. Yeah, Honda mm-hmm. makes the, some of the best manual transmissions you can find. You know, they're very easy to shift. Uh, you know, they've they've always got really good clutch feel. It, it's a yeah, it's a great way to have something a little different. Mm-hmm. I agree. Oh, and okay. one, 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 one last detail about the, all the Civics. Uh, they all come with the Honda Sensing package now, so they have the full suite of driver assist features, adaptive cruise control, blind spot monitoring. That is actually one, one big improvement on this one compared to ours. Ours still has the, the lane watch system on it, which was the camera mounted under the passenger side mirror that when you oh, put it's on only the, one. The, <laughs> it's only on the one side, not on the Only not on, on the one side. Side. Yeah. Only on one side, which was I don't like, like those, okay. When the world goes, you're like on the highway, just changing lanes at like you know 65 miles an hour. Like zoom, 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 zoom. I'm like, I don't need to see that right now. That's yeah. too much. It's such a I weird could. thing because Hyundai did essentially the same thing, but much better because it's on both sides, and it's mm-hmm. so much better. Yeah. Um, Huge difference. But, but you can't get the Hyundai with the manual transmission, so I'm just going well, well. uh, Yeah, can't get the manual. All right. Okay. Want me to go next? Yeah. I'll go next. Okay. So I was going to talk about this next week, uh, but I'll talk about it this week because I decided that while you were chatting, Sam. So I had the chance to drive for um, one day. They flew me down to New York, and I had some time with the Lucid Air, uh, which was pretty cool. So they've shipped some of these. They're shipping. They're going to get more are going to be coming. But they started with the most expensive models, which are $169,000. So not the cheapy ones, not the ones us mere mortals will be driving, uh, but it does come down to well, about seven. Well, re- relatively points. mere mortals. Relatively mere mortals. More, more, more mere than the people that can afford a, a $170,000 yeah. Exactly, exactly. Um, but it's still so not going to be cheap. It's still not going to be cheap. I think it still starts at about 70, mm-hmm. just under seven, over 77. So yeah. It is not an inexpensive car, but that's not what they're intending. They're, they're, you know, they're, they're billing this as a luxury car, and they're doing the, the same thing Tesla is, where they're not going to have dealerships. They have showrooms, and they're opening more of them as time goes on. I, I met them at the one in the meatpacking district in uh, New York. Uh, it's a beautiful showroom. I mean, it has just enough tech stuff so that you can, if you go into one, you can see the tech features of the car. If you want to know about how the battery and stuff works, you can see the car. And then there's, you know, you can you can customize and build it. And they have this really cute display that shows you all the, the materials and the colors and all that kind of stuff. So it's a neat showroom. It is neat. And it, it, it feels, it has that sort of upscale, I'm buying something cool, not just I'm buying a random commuter car at the local dealership. Like, it feels like what they're trying to get at. Um, I drove... The Dream Air Dream Edition, which is their fanciest of fancy pants versions of the Air, 
But first, I gotta say, style-wise, when you see this thing in person, it's a stunning car. It has this very mid-century modern kind of vibe. Even if you look, like I posted some pictures in my Instagram and on Twitter, if you look at the way the word air is written, it, it's like so mid-century modern. It's really cool. It's this nice sort of swoopy thing. Um, and that sort of aesthetic, that feel, the, the way the design is and the colors and the materials, it feels like that when you sit in it. It feels like that when you look at it. So design-wise, it's, it's really beautiful. It is a really pretty car. And I was driving it on the dreariest of, you know, rainy, cold, bleh days in New York. And I took pictures and people are still saying like, wow, that looks amazing. I'm like, yeah, with that totally gray, nasty sky and dead trees and the car still looks beautiful. I'm like, okay, that's saying something. Um, so... Driving it, it has this one has 520 miles of range. The range changes slightly as you go down from Dream Edition to Grand Touring to Touring to Pure. I think I got that right. Um, so the highest range is 520 miles of range, which is a lot. Uh, that's the kind of thing that you don't really, you know, your your car with a gas engine may or may not get that much range, you know, on a gas tank. Uh, the thing that makes that cooler, though, 520 miles of range, you can get 300 miles of that back in roughly 20 minutes. So you can charge up pretty quick. So it's not, so if you want a road trip in this, uh, you could actually do it. And they're teamed up with Electrify America, and you get the first three years of charging free. It's not a certain amount. It's just like three years charge all you like and it's free, which is another cool little incentive. And because it's a new company, you get the full $7,500 federal tax credit. You don't have to worry about anything being staged out. And with how this one is selling, not that it's not selling well, but it's a small volume vehicle. It's not like, you know, it's not a Civic. <laughs> yeah. So it's going to take some time for them to get to that mark where things are going to start coming down. Their Dream Edition is completely sold out. Um, although he said they have this huge long waiting list where people are just kind of like, well, maybe one guy will cancel. But the people that ordered this, <laughs> yeah, right? Exactly. Like, oh, that's cute. I maybe think Phil he, will say, I don't want it after all. I know. Phil's like, you know what? I saw this in person now. Change my mind. Give it to the next that's guy. That's the problem. If you see it in person, you don't change your mind. You don't. If you <laughs> see this in person, okay, because like I'm looking at it on my computer screen right now and it looks fine. Like, it's fine. Looks okay. Looks fine. Like, okay, it's an EV. I saw it in person and I was like, wow, that looks really good. So it really is one of those vehicles when you see just images, it doesn't do justice to how good this thing looks in person. And in fact, we were, as we were driving, we went up to this Bear Mountain State Park, which is like an hour outside of the city. And as we were trying to get out of the parking lot, a family was just walking across like families do. And literally the boy is like pointing and looking and stopping in the road. And mom's kind of like, come on. And then mom looks and husband's like, no, do you see what he's crossing? And, like, and then half the parking lot is turning around and looking at the car like, wow. And I'm like, I appreciate it, guys, but I don't want to kill any of you. Can you stare and point from the sidewalk? <laughs> like, um even Clear in the out city. of my way. Yeah, even and then we passed the my favorite thing is we passed a guy in a Tesla, and as we passed the guy in the Tesla, we passed him, and he's just driving along, and then all of a sudden the Tesla comes speeding back up, and I can see the guy looking like, huh, what is that? And I'm like, he's checking out the cars. So it, it was neat to see the reaction. People like it. Little kids like it. Tesla owners like it. Random homeless guy in New York City was like, thumbs up, nice car. I'm like. <laughs> Thanks. I don't even know what to say to that. You know, like so, um, so style-wise, it has it. It has that range. It has that federal tax credit. And there's three uh, drive modes. There's smooth, swift, and sprint. And in the Dream Edition, the smooth and the swift are only unlocking like half the horsepower in the vehicle. So you're working at like 600 and change for horsepower. If you only push, 600. 
I know. 600? I know, right? What is what even? Else? How do you Why even? even? Why even? How do the wheels even turn? I know. It's amazing, right? Why would you but even then, leave the house for that? Why would you even bother getting in the car? So because you do want to bother getting in the car, you push the sprint button. And it keeps your warning like, be careful. Don't. It's, it doesn't say this, but it's basically the warning is, don't be stupid now. We're giving you all the horsepower. That's what the warning is, okay? <laughs> so you push that button. It gives you your don't be stupid warning. And you have 1,111 horsepower. That is worth leaving the house for, 100% worth getting in the car and leaving the house. You don't even have to push the pedal. I feel like if you breathe a little bit heavy and the air hit that pedal, you're suddenly pushed back in your seat and you're flying. It is aggressive. And what made it so neat was, I don't know, I mean, it's a lot of people don't have a chance to drive a car with high horsepower. Forget the 1011, even like a Hellcat or something that's like a 700, 600, these high horsepower cars. They're really cool. And that, that sense of being pushed back in your seat is amazing. But depending on the car, if you mash that gas pedal, you have a moment where you fight the steering a little bit. Like you're, it's, it's not, it's, it's not like this, you just accelerate and go in a nice straight line. It's like, hold on tight because you might have a little steer left, a little, steer, a little torque steer happening. You're like, ah, this thing you, when you mash on that pedal, it just is like, here's all your power. And I will continue going exactly where you have me pointed the way you had me pointed. It was so controlled and so well-mannered other than that, you know, feeling that weight against your chest, which is just a fantastic feeling when you hit that pedal. Um, it's so controlled and so well-mannered. I was very impressed. I liked driving it. Uh, it was quiet. We took it, um, there's that section roads in the meatpacking district that are cobblestone. And when I came, when they dropped me off, they dropped me off in a um, GMC Yukon was the car that they had hired to drive, drop me off. And coming over the cobblestones, like, like, okay, we're in the cobblestone section. We drove out on that same section. It was, you barely feel it. And because I had just been so conscious of it in another car, I'm like, wow, this is doing a fantastic job. And even over the really crummy streets that you have there. It's the city. There's potholes everywhere. There's seams in the pavement. There's construction. There's metal pieces covering where there's covers and holes in the ground. It's very well-mannered and very relaxed and very easy to just feel like, okay, I'm in a nice, smooth luxury cruiser. So it, it does this great balance between I'm going to put it in sprint mode, get my don't be stupid warnings and have at it, or I'm going to keep it in either smooth or swift and I'm just going to drive this like this beautiful, elegant, luxurious, smooth, comfortable luxury car. Uh, the thing is, you have to be willing to spend luxury car, at least 77 grand, or for those who got this, this dream edition, 169K. Uh, does it feel like it's worth it? If I had $169,000 that I was going to spend on a car, this would be on my list uh, because Ooh. it's that good. And the inside is just... Like, I feel like part of spending that much money on a car, like for this, you're looking for the EV, you want one with it has that crazy range that charges really fast. You want that horsepower, or a lot of people do, but you want it to feel like a luxury car. Like, I feel like some EV makers make their cars feel so, like they're so focused on we're going to be sustainable and clean and that it's Well, one becomes, particular EV maker. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. And the but, cleanness is really costing. Right, yes. but, it's, but that look, it makes them, but there's other EVs out there that are not the EV maker that you're talking about that still, when they go to, to that, there's, there's a fine line between making your car look very like that Swedish unfussy kind of thing, you know, where there's not a lot of flash and chrome and, you know, yeah. and like 
even though you use this super expensive textile on your dashboard that was recycled and saved all these, you know, saved many seals or whatever, it looks, <laughs> it looks cheap. Like, you know, you don't want it yeah. to look cheap. Well, you want your luxury car to look like a luxury car. Yeah, and this yeah. one does. And, and granted, you know? most of those, most of those other brands are not charging $160,000 for the car either. That's true. Yeah. But they, sometimes they look like they should be charging $1.95. Like there's, you know, it's yeah. like... They, you you w- can't call a car luxury and then the interior not live up to luxury. You can just right. say it's a nice, it's an expensive sedan. You can say, right. you know, but but sometimes people are like, well, it's a luxury car. I'm like, eh, no. Right. And that's I think there's, like a, there's some- a comfort level that comes with luxury. There's a, there's a, there's an anticipation. There's a... There's something that you're expecting, especially after years of Mercedes and BMW exactly. and Audi, um, like building these cars. And you're like, well, this is luxury, too. And you're like, yeah, not really. And I think you expect a certain amount of like it. There has to be a sort of a design aesthetic that you can see. Like it shouldn't just look like we made a dashboard that fits. We made seats that fit. We made a roof that fits like this has that glass roof and it's very open. And it has this there's only one piece down the middle. And it's only because it goes down to the middle to where like they have to have a part mounted to the dash, like where the dashboard, excuse me, where the windshield is. So, but it's this like really thin little vein across the top and has a light down the middle. That's the ambient lighting. It, they could have just made it a piece of black and said, well, it's up there and it is what it is, but they paid attention to it. I know that sounds like a stupidly small detail, but in a that's the kind of things that luxury cars do. They take into account all these random details that sometimes you don't even realize what it is. And you just sit down and you think this looks and feels so well put together, and that's what this one does. Yeah, I, I've talked to Peter, the CEO Peter Rollinson, I don't know, a bunch of times at this point, and every time it's very much we're not competing with Tesla, we're competing mm-hmm. with the German automakers, we're yes. competing with luxury automakers, um, and you know they're going to be compared with Tesla regardless for Absolutely. because a it's a sedan has long range, so you're going to hit Tesla. Also, it <laughs> Lucid is just populated with former Tesla engineers. The person who the Start, person who is the Peter. Ma- Starting with Peter, who was the man who's like, hey, here's the Model S. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, they had a guy that was – so I had um, one of their uh, PR folks that was with me through the ride because it was just me. It wasn't like an official like program program. But they had a guy in a following car that was just there in case there was – he's like, not a mechanical failure like the car breaks. But like, if you get a flat tire, it's not like we have drive shop or somebody here to fix that. We want some, you know, somebody here in case anything, you need anything. And he was following on. He was formerly from Tesla like he because I was asking him different things. And he's like, well – I did notice that on the Tesla. I haven't seen it yet on this. So it was interesting. I'm like, is anybody yeah. here not, not been at Tesla? Although my, the guy that was riding with me was a former Volkswagen and Audi guy. So, yeah. but well, the Germans. Yeah. Yeah. The Germans. The Germans. Mm-hmm. They're either from yeah. Tesla or the Germans. That's really that's right. really the, the company is but it, either it, Tesla it, or the Germans. It, you know, aside from the fact that it's an EV, so you could say they're chasing Tesla, it feels much more like a car that's chasing the Germans. It really, really does. Like you're like, okay, I get it, it's an EV, that's the Tesla end of things. But in every other way, this feels like it's it's a new version of a German car. Even just like the way the doors, like they try to make it is so open. It feels gigantic in there. The door panels, instead of sort of coming out, like Robbie, you probably had this happen in cars. When your legs are long, you'll hit like where the, where the handle is. Like you hit the edge of the door panel because your knees don't have room. These curve way in. So it's almost, unless you're like doing the ultimate man spreading as you're driving, I don't think you (laughs) can hit. Yeah. Just like all flailed about, but you, you have all this, you have all this room and it's like even 
front to back. So my the guy with me, he is six foot four. So he's a tall guy. And he just threw the seat all the way back like to be comfortable. When we stopped, I said, sit behind the seat you just tossed all the way back. He sat behind, side, behind it. He still had room for his knees. Like six foot four in front of six foot four. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, back yeah. back in 2017 or 16, whenever it was that um, they that they were first showing off the uh, uh, the the air, um, and this was actually at the LA Auto Show before they had really shown it publicly. They were doing some private briefings. I had a briefing with Peter uh, Rawlinson and Derek Jenkins, the head of design there, uh, and you know, at the time, you know, they talked about you know what they're, they're talking about, you know, aiming for Mercedes Benz. Yeah, and what they wanted was something that had the luxury of a Mercedes-Benz, the interior roominess of an S-Class, but the exterior footprint mm-hmm. of an E-Class. So, you know, the midsize, you know, so it's smaller on the outside, larger on the inside. Uh, and, you know, I, I think that they really did, it really feels like they achieved that. You know, when I, you know, uh, when I sat in the thing for the first time, you know, sitting in the back with, with Peter, you know, it, was, it was amazing how much room there is in the back of this thing. Well, and even in terms of the roominess, like, you know, they've used every last conceivable space. Like, nothing. It's like, well, could we make that space for people? Could we make that space for cargo? Why, why don't we do that? It kind of feels like they looked at everything like, well, why do we have these unnecessary things jetting out into the cargo area in the trunk? Get rid of them. Like, we don't need that. So, like, when you open the trunk, you know, normally it's a relatively sort of straight-ish line into the trunk. But it's so wide at the opening. There's these extra little pieces. In fact, on the floor, they open up two little pods to either side. And, like, you could easily fit, a like, a golf bag at the very front of that trunk. That's how long it is. And then the floor opens up. And there's a huge amount of space under there. And even in the front, when you go up to the trunk huge space you think wow that's a huge frunk it's like mm, bigger than you think again there's an underfloor even in the frunk where you lift it open and there's more space like good lord i feel like this has more space than like some crossovers that i've been in you know it's it's it probably it's, does and it's it's, it's like the, it's it's an it's impressive the, oh go it's ahead the honda fit it's the honda fit of uh, luxury sedans you just yeah. have yeah. more space in your it's, it's a tardis it's yes. a tardis <laughs> it's the it's the the tardis of electric vehicles yeah it i because as I'm looking, you're sort of almost like you're sort of surprised. It's like, yeah, 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 okay, there's a front. Holy cow, there's more space. Oh, there's more space. Oh, inside there's more space. Oh, you've done, it's just, there is an attention to detail in terms of the design of this that makes it really, really an impressive vehicle. Impressive car. I liked, in case you can't tell, I liked. <laughs> Aside from the fact that I will never be able to afford a $169,000 um, EV. That's the only thing I didn't yeah. like. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it'll be cheaper. No, it will, but, and they said they, they literally uh, started with the Dream Edition and, you know, those yeah. folks that spent that big money got theirs first. And as they go out through 2022, they'll be getting down to the ones that are more traditional luxury car prices. You know, that, and this that is what every are, new automaker does. You know, they yeah. start yeah. with their, their premium trim. You know, Tesla's had their Founders series of every right. new model they brought out. And, uh, you know, Fisker's doing the same thing. They've got a launch edition, and every, even the even the legacy automakers, you know, are you know coming out with you know edition one for the Hummer or launch edition oh, for yeah. Ford. You know that they pack everything conceivable in there. Uh, yeah, they all do it the now. There's yeah. yeah, there's always some special launch edition that yeah. they come up with a you know that 
Bronco did it too, right? Mm-hmm. Wasn't there a launch edition? Yeah. Like everything. I mean, that's an off-road vehicle. It's like every, doesn't matter the category. I think it generates buzz too and excitement because people are like, oh, I want one of those. There's only, in this case, 520 and or there's only 300 or there's only 1,000. You're literally putting your best foot forward when you do you this. You are. And it, it really, do. would you want to put your, well, I know these are never going to be a rental car, but would you want to put your <laughs> rental car special out as the first one customers <laughs> yeah. see? And everyone's like, wow, this is this is great, uh, that's great. great. Like, that's not what you want to do. So yeah, it sounds. You know, I, I know. You know, Peter and the team would have loved to have had this car on the market a couple of years ago, at least, if not earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, they it took them quite a while to raise the capital they needed to build their factory and, and get into production. And you know, from from everything I've seen, it looks like they used that uh, that extra time that they had available to really refine this car and get everything working right. Uh, you know, so that it minimized, you know, the bugs that they had available. And even, even you know, in the course of 2021, they, they pushed back the, the official production launch a few months, um, you know, as they continued to work out some, some details in the, in the production system and, and in the vehicle itself. So, you know, it's, it looks like they used the time to good effect. Well, and I know they were, they were at least in some cases too, part of there, I'm sure that was the supply chain issues that have affected everyone because weirdly there was a feature that wasn't on this one, but that is on all of them. So when you open the uh, the frunk and then you lift up the underfloor storage thing, it's sort of like an accordion piece. It like bends in half and pushes back to give you the extra little piece, but it wants to spring back at you. Like you kind of have to hold it. And I was like, oh, and he's like, actually, he said, it's not on this one. But the production ones, there's a magnet there, so it holds it in place. Oh, like, okay. And, so that when you uh, open it, it stays, and then you pull it. And I said, oh, how come is it on this one? He said, honestly, it was just supply chain stuff. We couldn't get – this is one we're using for press. We're using for media. We gave the magnet to one of our consumer ones. I'm like, fair. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So but like they're, so they're, they're having – you know, that's a small thing, but you got to imagine there's other – you know, a magnet. That was hard to magnet. get. Like, the weirdest things that, that cause little delays in production Maybe a certain size and certain polarity right, certain size, certain strength. Exactly. <laughs> Apparently, that magnet was in high demand. <laughs> That's the last thing we need for the car, the magnet. The magnet. Oh. We just need the damn magnet. I can't believe we don't have that damn magnet yet. <laughs> Forget microchips or semiconductors. <laughs> Mike's magnet's on the phone again. Get him over. <laughs> Give me my magnets. <clears throat> All right. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Uh, Mr. Baldwin, what about you? What have you been driving? I drove the uh, Mini SE Electric. Now, it's been out for a while. And someone's like, hey, can you do a review of it? I said, okay. And I've driven it before, and I, it was it was right like at the beginning of COVID during lockdown. So you couldn't, I couldn't really, yeah, it, it, it's, 
it was it was hard to be excited about literally anything back then. But now, <laughs> I mean, it's not that, that now's now's like crazy better, but it's it's let's just say it's much better. Anyway, um, so I drove it. I uh, had it for a week, and I absolutely love that car. It is it is the I I, I don't want to call it like a, a compliance car, because you know a lot of companies are like, oh, here's a car with a hundred ish miles of range. It's it's an EV based on a gas platform. And that's that's literally what this is, <laughs> but it's so it's it's everything that you would expect from a mini that happens to be electric. It's actually it's probably it's kind of like the 500e, you know, where the 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 uh, the, the Fiat 500e, mm-hmm. where the Fiat 500e was the best Fiat 500. It was. <laughs> yeah, it really was. was. Like you got it, and you're like, oh my god, why did they even make the other one? And they're like, oh, because they lose money every time they build this. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but the mini SE. I absolutely adored it. It's fun. It's one of the the funnest EVs you can buy, and it really gives me. It really. Uh, I, I did an interview with uh, Mini North America uh, at the LA Auto Show, and they're like, "Yeah, we we are going all in on EVs because it really fits, and I think it really fits with the brand. You have this very go karty feel. Um, you get this instant torque that you're not going to get with the regular Mini unless you get the you know the John Cooper works. You know, you throw a bunch of money at it." Um, and it's it, you know I've I've autocrossed this vehicle before. Um, what was how was that? It was really fun. It was you know it it's it everything about this is just like fun performance, and it's exactly what a mini should be. And you know, and it just happens to be electric, and it's I guess kind of a compliance car. I don't I don't. <laughs> it's such a weird weird thing because. I mean, Mini's not going to call it a compliance car. And when you drive it, it doesn't feel like a compliance car. It doesn't feel like you're just sort of like, well, here you go. It's, it, 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 it's in some ways, I think it, you know, it's a compliance car because you know it's a conver- You could call it a compliance car because it's a conversion of an ICE. Yeah. But you know, BMW, you know, they're you know, Minis are lumped in with the rest of the BMW lineup in terms of how many EVs you know or plugins they have to sell every year, and you know, I think that they, you know, BM, you know, from on the BMW brand side of the house, I think they sell enough plugins, you know, between the plug-in hybrid, you know, three, five, seven, X5, yeah. and so on, as well as the the i3, and now you know the i4 and the the iX coming. You know, I I don't think they actually need the Mini SE to be compliant. No, exactly. But you know, they they I think they felt that they wanted um, an electric. You know, battery electric mini, and and you know, I think there there have actually been people asking for this going back to when they did the original mini E, you know, in two thousand eight, oh, which was you know that was a, a pilot program before they started building EVs. You know, they built this fleet, this test fleet of five hundred and some electric minis that they loaned out to consumers uh, for a couple of years to un- better understand how people use EVs, and that ultimately led to the the i3 yeah it's 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 such a fun car i can't and, and, and i the i mean the, I, I don't know if it's the you know it only has many says it has uh, 114 miles of range which is not a lot my test i got to 120 um during my test i think you know many and other automakers especially the germans have been very like under sort of reporting what their range uh numbers are um but it's you know there's I, I live on in the East Bay in and the East Bay has back roads and twisties and turnies, but they are very rough. They you know they haven't been up 
you know, the upkeep isn't that great as opposed to Marin, where I also go and drive, where the roads are very nice and smooth. And, you know, you have a lot more tourists. So you want a nice, smooth road and some of the best roads in America over there in Marin. Um, so I drive these back roads and I'll drive Marin. And on these back roads, I mean, I've had Aston Martin Vantages just having problems. I mean, there's there's very few cars that can handle these corners without just like you feel like you're just going to get bounced off the road. Um, the uh, I think the STI did really well. <laughs> Because, I mean, that's essentially what that car is yeah. built for. And this Mini did really, really well on these, like, very rough roads. You know, it's, it's a stiff ride. Um, but it, it, is a, it is a joy to, to be behind the wheel. It actually has a stick for the, audit, for the transmission, which I'm always a big fan of. So push buttons or whatever weird thing people are coming up with now to, 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 uh, to shift their vehicles. I would love – I'm with you on that. I would love to just be able to get into a vehicle and not have to think for a half a second, like, wait a minute. Wait how do I get myself out of the driveway? <laughs> it is the most disconcerting. Like, I know how to drive cars. I do this for a living. And the number of times I sit down, it's like, uh. Hold on. Well, hold on. Where is it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, they change controls just for the sake of change. Like, just yeah. to mess you up. Like, some engineers like, ha gotcha. Like, okay, That's, fine. <laughs> the push button, we have that on our, on our Kona Electric. And every time I get in, I'm like, hold on. And we've had it for like four or five months at this and point. You're and you're still every time thrown, I'm like, right? Hold on. Let me push the stupid button. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the big thing I don't like about the Kona. But yeah, the Mini is uh, if you're looking for a fun um, EV that you're not, you know, you're, it's not going to be a road trip EV. It's only you know, it can only charge at 50 kilowatts. It's got a range of 100, you know, 14, 120 miles. You know, if you want to do a road trip on it, it's going to take a while. <laughs> um, but if you need to get around town, I, I used it for for my errands. I drove over. Um, you know, outside the East Bay, I, I, I drove into the city, I drove, you know, I just drove it around like I would uh, any of my cars. And it was fine. It wasn't, you know, you know, there's still that little, like, oh, I only got 20 miles left. I'm like, well, we'll see what happens. <laughs> you really do <laughs> become like, crossed. well, here we go. Um, and what's what's really interesting is it starts at 29,900. So about 30,000, but it still has, you still get the federal tax credit on it, plus any local or state credits you can get to it. So, you know, you can bring that down to like 20. Three, twenty-two, and so now you're getting a, a, a really fun mini for twenty-two thousand dollars, which, which is, is probably cheaper than any of the gas. Minis I know. Is this probably point. better than you do yeah. a gas mini? Yeah. Which is yeah, and it's so it's it's it is it, it's just a fun little car. If you're looking for a sort of a, you want an EV, you want something that's fun, and it's a second car. I mean, all minis are second cars. Minis very upfront about that. Like, yeah, our cars are typically second cars. Um, then yeah, this it's this this is something you should you should get to, and I, I feel like I'm not, you know, this this car again. This car has been out for a little while, so it's not like this is anything new. But I think you're just reiterating just how how much fun this is. And you know, after driving the i4 and the iX um, this year, um, and talking to Mini at the LA Auto Show, I'm really excited of where the EV, where Mini is going um, when it comes to EVs. When it when when we start getting like proper like purpose built. EVs from Mini, I think that's that's I think a it, it's 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 on brand, and b it's going to like sort of give it a little revitalization because I think people are going to be like oh oh, this is the fun that I'm missing, and we're going to get an EV Mini convertible. I made them. I I, I <laughs> You're, you you single handedly made that happen. That. I didn't make it happen, but I just kept asking somebody until finally they said yes, we're going to have an EV Mini convertible, and they also talked about maybe having a smaller Mini that'll be an EV. A smaller vehicle, so I got them. That so maybe we'll have a tiny little, you know, an actual segment. mini mini. 
a mini mini that's an electric which is if, if you've ever driven um uh, it doesn't even have to be the original styling. I mean, you can get you could have got these back in the '90s in in Europe. One of those tiny minis, those actual mini minis. Those are so much fun to drive, even if it takes you a couple minutes like me to get in and out of because you're tall. <laughs> like <laughs> you once you're in, you're like, up to get in and out. <laughs> yeah, because the steering wheel is more like a bus, so it's not like in my way. I can shift gears and yeah, um, left hand drive or right hand drive. Oh, it's, it's, it's outstanding. Anyway, yeah, 2022 uh, hardtop. Um, weird, uh, it, uh, yeah, sure, compliance vehicle, but probably the, the funnest compliance vehicle out there that you can still get. The, the Golf E was a great, great vehicle. Also, one of those vehicles that was, you know, essentially a compliance vehicle that just happened to be awesome. So, so okay, right now we've got two roughly 100 mile EVs that are in that low $30,000 price range <laughs> Mini, Mazda MX 30. Mini. None of us were particularly <laughs> enthusiastic about the MX30. What, you know, why, you know, why, why are you so much more enthusiastic about the the Mini versus the the MX30? The Mini delivers on that Mini promise. That's the. I think that's that's where you 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 really you have to deliver on the promise that you're making to your customers as an automotive brand. If Mercedes came out with a S class that just like felt like trash on the inside. It doesn't. It, it doesn't matter how much range it had. People are going to be like, "Uh, I think Mini, this delivers on a promise, and it's actually got better specs than that. <laughs> <laughs> it's been out a while. It's it, it it you get it. It's it's one of those cars that just it you know it you ex, it exudes joy, and that's you know what the Mini has. And Mini's been making bigger and bigger vehicles. We had a Countryman for a while, uh, my wife and I, and it was it was okay. It was it was sort of like she wanted a Mini, I wanted something with all-wheel drive so I could go snowboarding. And so we got the Countryman. And it's like sort of the least mini mini. (laughs) You know, it didn't have any low end torque. It had the same engine, I think, as the S, but a larger, you know, it was it was it was lugging around a lot of uh, weight. And it was it was fine. Uh, This is this is this goes back to like when, you know, when many when the minis were first reintroduced and you're like, oh, this is a fun car to drive around. And it's it's sort of the antithesis of a lot of other stuff that's on the road. And when you drive it, you're like, oh, oh, I get it. I get it now. And that's what you're, you're getting with this. And I think that's really well put. Mini, it, that's part of, I think, the problem with the MX-30. It doesn't live up to the expectation of Mazda. Like that sort of fun yeah. driver's if, car. It, it, is, it, is it a perfectly fine little 100-mile range EV? Sure. But does it, <laughs> does it feel like, like, wow, this is a Mazda 100-mile 100, 100 yeah. range EV that feels like a Mazda? You're like, eh. I feel like uh, yeah. they would have done better if they had done a Mazda 3 wagon with, like, a little bit more or, – or even a Miata. I don't know what the – you know, if they had done, like, a special Miata. We're only going to make a 1,000 of them. They only get 120 – you know, 110 oh miles gosh, of range. Oh, my gosh. If they would made it a Miata, they, people, people would have lost, lost their minds. Exactly, they would have lost their minds. I think it was it's it's. I think it was a slight misstep from from Mazda. And, and again, to me, it's not it's not a sprint right now when it comes to EVs. I think you know you don't want to be too far behind. But as long as you're doing something, that's good yeah. because everything, every something you do, you're learning as an automaker to do the correct thing that's correct for your brand and for the people who buy your your vehicles. Agree. All right. Well, <clears throat> we're recording this on. New Year's Eve, but this this show actually isn't going to come out until next Wednesday, January 5th, which is in the middle of what should be CES. Um, 
none of us, I don't think you're going, are you, Robbie? No. None, none of no, us are no, going no, to no, Vegas no. in person at this point. But uh, I'm, not, I'm only just not going because I have other plans that happen yeah. to overlap. Otherwise, I have to say I would be there. I would still go. I, 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 I was going to go. I canceled my plans uh, this past week um, and I've been rescheduling meetings. You did? Oh, yeah. Um, I decided it, it was just simply not worth the risk uh, to both to myself and to my wife when I come home. Um, and so, uh, a lot of manufa- a lot of companies that were going to be there have also canceled their plans, uh, including General Motors. Interestingly enough, at least as of yesterday, when I spoke to uh, Stellantis, they were still planning to be there. Um, although they, <laughs> during that conversation, it was kind of kind of hedging a little bit. There's there's still a possibility oh, really? that they that they might stay home. Yeah. Uh, but you know, a lot of manufacturers uh, have, are saying. You know, have decided. Nope, we're not sending people there, um, and you know, I think I think that's wise. You know, under the current conditions, it's just you know, with so many people, uh, even with the precautions that the Consumer Technology Association is is putting in place, there, you know, there's still there's still a huge amount of risk to people. Um, so uh, that doesn't mean there's not news coming out of CES, uh, and actually. Uh, uh, last week, early last week, yeah, before, uh, just before Christmas, um, I went to a background briefing in Warren, Michigan, with General Motors, and this this was two days before they announced that uh, that their in person keynote that Mary Barra was going to do uh, was going to be was canceled and was going to be virtual only. Uh, got a chance to see the new Chevy Silverado EV, uh, which. Um, uh, it's uh, it's a it's a combination of uh, a lot of the hardware from the GMC Hummer and the old Chevy Avalanche, <laughs> and uh, we you know, as we're recording this, I I am the only one of the three of us that has actually seen this thing in person. The, did you see the inside? Sam? I did see the inside. Is it actually better than the other oh, one? Oh, it is because so the much better. Silverado is so like. Bleh. Yeah, it's it is. <laughs> it is. It is much, 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 much better. Really? It, okay. Yeah, it is. It is way better. I know. By the time this comes out, everyone will have seen it. But I'm sitting here being skeptical. Like, yeah, oh, come no, on, it's, Chevy, it's, step it's, it up with that interior. Yeah, I mean, aside from the Silverado nameplate on it, this thing, unlike the F-150 Lightning, actually shares almost nothing with a gas Silverado, including the wow. interior. No body okay. work. Wow. Um, yeah. And when I say Chevy Avalanche, you know, the Avalanche was the the pickup truck that G- that Chevrolet launched almost 20 years ago now uh, that was basically a Suburban with the back cut away to, to give it um, a, a bed, a truck, a pickup bed in the back. And, you know, that's kind of what they've done here. Um, you know, they, they've used the opportunity because they have a dedicated truck EV platform from the Hummer. Uh, and, you know, it doesn't. You know, it doesn't share any mounting points. You know, when Ford did the F one hundred and fifty Lightning, uh, you know, part of the constraints was, you know, in order to keep the costs under control and make this thing affordable, they used most of the upper body structure of the standard F one hundred and fifty. So the mounting points for the frame still had to be the same uh, as as for the gas truck, and. You know, then they, uh, you know, it is a dedicated frame, but it still has the same mounting points. So that constrained them somewhat in terms of how much battery they could put in the thing. Um, and, you know, GM didn't have any of those constraints. So they have 
an all-new body for the, the Silverado EV that, like the Avalanche, it doesn't have the separate pickup bed. You know, it's all, when you look at it, it's all one piece all the way down the side, more like mm-hmm. a Honda Ridgeline, uh, you know, than, than a Silverado. And um, the, the styling is different. It's, a, it's, a, it's updated styling. It's, you know, I think it's, it's quite an attractive truck, um, you know, more, more so than the current gas Silverados. Uh, the, you know, it's still truck-shaped. You know, it's not shaped, <laughs> it's not shaped like a flying stainless steel doorstop. <laughs> Uh, you know, so who would do that? Yeah, it 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 has you know that the you know the the sort of hood area at the front, uh, but you know it's got a frunk in there, uh, and like the F one fifty, the when you open it up, and and also the Hummer for that matter, when you open it up, you know what would have been the grill area goes with the hood. Now it looks they they haven't given all the the specs on this thing yet as we record this. Um, it looks like the the. The frunk is a little bit smaller than on the F-150, um, but not, not by a huge amount. Um, one, one advantage they do have is because they've gone to this one-piece design, you know, when, you, when you have a separate cab and bed, there's inherently some space that's taken up by the back wall of the cab and the front wall of the bed. And you know, within a given length, that's going to limit how, much, how long the bed can be. So on the F-150, uh, as with most crew cab full-size pickups, it's a five-and-a-half-foot bed. On the Silverado EV, because they've eliminated that part of it, you now have a five-foot, 11-inch bed, so it's a, you know, almost a half-a-foot long. Oh, burn. But, <laughs> but like, the, like, the, like the Avalanche, it also has the mid-gate. Remember the mid-gate on the Avalanche? So you can fold down the back seats, and then you can fold that down. And so now you can fit... Um, nine feet um, within from the with the tailgate up you know up to the back of the front seats you can you have nine feet of length in there to put stuff in and like a little this, thing, this thing also has the the multi-flex tailgate thing that came out on the the current generation sierra a couple of years ago so you have the the, the swiss army knife tailgate uh, so with the tailgate down and the, mm-hmm. the the little stop thing up there you can have up to 11 feet um, from that stop to the back of the front seats, uh, so you, wow. you have you can take really long items in here. Big stuff. This is yeah. a this is a Home Depot machine, is what you're saying. It, because it sometimes is. Yeah, it you is. Put, uh, think of all of the mulch you can thing. put in there. So much mulch <laughs> and and lumber. Because yep. sometimes I'm like, oh, I got a truck this week. What should I get? Oh, I guess I, I sometimes I'll just go buy lumber for things I'm not going to do for I'm like reverse. six I don't really months. buy stuff the week I have a truck. It's like, what do I have in the house that I should be taking Wait, to what? the dump? That's yeah. my week. Yeah, That's always like, yeah. I got to. I got to do truck things with this. Uh, What do I have to get rid of? And what am I going to need in the next couple of months until I get another truck? Yeah, exactly. But 11 feet, like with the pass through, and that's that's huge. That's pretty nice. Yeah, it's like 10 feet 10 inches, I think. But you know, almost 11 feet. So there's that. That's great. Um, The interior, to your question, uh, Nicole, yes, uh, yes, is is at least on the one we saw is really really nice. Okay. Um, So. Initially, there's going to be two trim levels of this thing. There's going to be the work truck, you know, like the F-150 Lightning Pro, and um, the RST, which is the high-end loaded with every conceivable option. All the and, things. You know, in, the, in the RST, uh, it's got a 17-inch center touchscreen, 11-inch uh, instrument cluster display, uh, you know, 
lots of storage space in there because it's you know it's an electric vehicle. Um, on the the work truck, the center touchscreen is only 11 inches, and then eight inches for the cluster display. Uh, you know, just a mere you know 11 inches for the center. Yeah, display. so so weedy and tiny. Seven bother again okay, right what I, wow. I I'm 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 going to keep on. Uh, I tell you, like I'm I'm going to start heartbeat on this for the rest of my life now. Anything above like eight to nine inches, anything bigger than that is just like, all right, fine. Now you're just showing off. <laughs> yeah. yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just okay. I guess I could watch a movie on this, like a widescreen Panavision movie <laughs> at some point. Yeah, while you're waiting for it to charge. While you're waiting for it to charge. Yeah. Cinemascope. Yeah. All right, it makes perfect watch, sense. Let's watch Lawrence of Arabia again. <laughs> yeah, um, and. The initial versions are only coming with the same 200 kilowatt hour battery that's in the Hummer. Oof. Um, and the work truck is going to launch in the spring of 2023. So a full year behind the F-150 Lightning availability. The F-150 mm. Lightning is coming out this spring, spring 2022. The work truck is launching the spring of next year. And then... The RST is coming out six months after that in the fall of 2023. So 18 months after the F-150 hits the streets. Mm. They're not talking uh, about the price of the initial work truck. uh, But the RST, because what they're doing is the work truck they're selling through GM fleet operations. And they're dealing directly with fleets. Uh, so you can't just go to a regular dealer and, and order one of those. You, you order oh. fleet operations. And they're not saying what the price of that one's going to be. The RST, loaded with the Edition 1 or whatever terminology they're using, RST, $105,000. Oh, and gosh. both of them are going to have a range That's over a 400 lot of money. miles. 10,000-pound um, towing capability. But mm-hmm. only 1,300-pound payload, which is considerably – even though it's got a lot more space in the bed, you've you got to put light stuff in there. So mulch, okay. Um, filling it up with bags of concrete, eh, not so much. Um, whereas the Lightning mm-hmm. is going to have 2,000-pound payload capability. Uh, so – that's a pretty big difference. Yeah, they will. You know, at, in 2024, you know, a few months after they they do the RSTs, then they will start launching other trim levels um, with smaller batteries, um, and there at some point will be a forty thousand dollar work truck version um, with uh, an as yet undisclosed battery size for the uh, regulars. That'll, yeah, that'll probably be somewhere comparable to the forty thousand dollar Lightning, somewhere in the two hundred twenty to two hundred forty mile range um the um uh the rst or actually both of those initial versions uh because they've got that dual layer battery pack they will charge at uh 350 kilowatts and you can add um i think it was at uh 60 miles of range in five minutes uh something like that uh on a 350 kilowatt charger uh which is which is quite impressive um but um you know i think you know, considering that GM has been working on this Altium stuff, you know, they first announced this in late 2017. So that's over four years ago now. And they've been harping on how fast they were able to turn around the self, the, the Hummer. You know, they did that program in only two years from the time they gave it the green And the bolt. They were production. like, yeah. remember the bolt? They were just like, look what we made in like no time at all. And then right. it, mm-hmm. nothing else happened for a long time. And, you know, Ford was just quietly working away. And now they're... 
there, it's going to take so long to get this thing into production. You know, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a, a year and a half, you know, till you get a consumer version of the Silverado EV that is going to be at least $15,000 more expensive than the most expensive version of the Lightning. Yes, it will have more range. You know, the, the Lightning will be about 300 miles of range versus, you know, 400 for the, uh, for the, the Silverado RST. Um, but, you know, it just seems to me like, you know, they, this should have been, they should have been one of the things they did first. It seems like, yeah. Took so long. I, yeah, it's, it is, the, yeah. it's a 2024 Chevy Silverado EV. This is really way ahead of when we're going to see any of these. That's There's going to be like a five Rivians out by then. Yeah. And maybe, and maybe a, uh, maybe a Cybertruck. Some Rivians, and some Fiskers, a whole bunch of Lucids. Yeah. yeah. Because it, it's... Tons of a, other EVs are going to be... I mean, maybe not even... Yeah, it just seems like that. The Ultium and... It's, I, <laughs> I think we're all having the same sort of like questions that you just... We're all like, confused. It's like there's conf- someone behind the scenes that could tell us unofficially, like, the reason this is taking so long, guys, is... Like, there has to be a reason. It seems like a weird decision. I'm sure there's... I'm sure there is a decision that somebody that knows far more about the situation than we do has has said, well, this is why we did it that way. It's just completely hidden are they, to are us. They, are they concerned that it's going to, 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 to cannibalize Hummer EV sales? Because I think those are two completely different markets. I feel markets. like they're two totally yeah. different. No, it's, it's not, you're not buying a Hummer yeah. EV as a work truck. You yeah, know? It's, it's not going to cannibalize the Hummer. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I just I don't know why... Um, why it's taking them so long to get these, you know, especially, you know, they're converting Did they address so anything about, over. did they have that in their, their spiel at all, Sam, as to no. why the, the timing, they didn't address it at all? No. Uh, another a notable thing that they declined to address was I asked them the question, how much is this thing going to weigh? Because the Hummer oh, <laughs> notably very, weighs yeah. 9,000 pounds. And they said, oh, we're not ready to talk about that yet. And I, I asked, I said, well, let me ask the question a little different way. Will this at least be a light duty truck? And they declined to answer that question. Oh, which okay. tells me that this is probably not going to be a light duty truck. You know, this is this thing is probably going to weigh somewhere at curb weight somewhere between seventy five hundred and eight thousand pounds, maybe more. I mean, they're uh, all kind of heavy, but still, I, I, yeah. I just, I mean, GM's been like, we have the Ultium, we have Ultium, we have Ultium, and we're like, okay, cool, you're going to be moving quicker than than a lot of other people. And then you watch them, and you're like, "What is happening over there?" It's like we have this great thing. We'll get to it. Yeah, we'll get to it. We're 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 you know we're going to lead the. They're they're talking a good game. Yeah, they are talking a good game. Even how they're releasing this, though. Like I guess, well, like you were saying, they released the fancy pants version of things first, right? You got that RST, but then along with the work truck. But that feels a little odd. Just like we're going to do the fanciest of our truck. Like because people want trucks to get stuff done, and then the the work like there's ah, this feels it's, weird. The whole strategy feels weird. I don't I get, get it. It's uh, I'm not a marketing person. Clearly, I don't yeah. get the strategy at all. Yeah, but the Just RST because, does have 24 inch wheels. Who cares? I love the GM estimated in wide open watts. Wow mode. That, yeah, wow. That's, 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 that's like that's WTF. The, wow. Yeah, that's that's the mode they have on the Hummer as well. So if you want to do the Thousand yep. horsepower acceleration. The freedom. The Hummer, you have to put it in wide open. All I can watts think mode. of when I see oh, this. Oh no! It's, you... The Hummer is Watts the Freedom. Is it Watts the Freedom? It's Watts the Freedom. Oh, okay. Oh, so I wrote a whole article. WTF? Same, yeah, same <laughs> thing. It is Watts the Freedom. It ended yeah. up being 
I did a roundup when I was at Car and Driver, and I'm like, "What's the freedom happened this in 2020 or whatever?" And uh, I was very happy that 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 headline made it through to the magazine. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> I was yeah, like, "Very good." I, I all I can think of when I see Wow is that uh, Schoolhouse Rock, the exclamation one. Remember Schoolhouse Rock? Anyone? Oh yeah, and yeah. That goes Wow, and it wow. shows Wow on the screen. That's all I can think wow. of when I see that. Yeah, well, now so it's, for for the for the work truck, it's going to have um, five hundred and five hundred and ten horsepower, six hundred and fifteen foot pounds of torque. It's a two. Both of them are two motor. Um, they they declined to be specific. They, they declined to answer the question of whether there'll be a three motor version. Um, but the, you know, at some point there there may well be a three motor version like you have on the Hummer. Yeah. Um, on the RST, it's the same two motors, but uh, they've got this wide open watts mode. So in normal driving, <laughs> it's 500 and some horsepower. Uh, and then uh, in wide open watts mode, it goes up to 664 and 780 foot pounds of torque. Oh, and it does have four wheel steering, the same four wheel steering mechanism that's on the Hummer. Oh, the um, little crabby crawl but, kind of thing. But they're not doing the crab walk mode in the in the Chevys. Only only the GMs, only the Hummer gets the crab walk mode. Uh, so they're they're using uh, it, you know, for tighter turning circles and better stability on the highway. You know, when you when I go to to the to the to the hardware store, which I feel like is all the time for some reason. Um, <laughs> every time, like yeah, you're a homeowner. That's why. Four, yeah, exactly. Four wheel steering is the greatest thing. I drove that EQS around for like a week, a week and a half with its I mean, ten degrees of rear steering. And it's I, after that, I'm just like, I don't know why cars even made without four wheel steering. <laughs> why even bother? Anything that's 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 uh, like a large sedan or bigger should have four wheel steering as far as I'm concerned. And, I, you know, even if it doesn't have crab walk, which I'm like, yeah, fine, whatever. The fact that it has that is pretty sweet. And it's again, you know, and I, and I keep saying, well, it's not a race. You know, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. So, you know, when these things come out, they come out at the same time. You can't just sell us. You have Ultium. <laughs> For years, and then just sort of like plugging along. Meanwhile, Hyundai's over here in Korea, just like spitting EVs out left and right. <laughs> yep. Yeah, they're gonna have they're gonna have three of them. Yeah, three three more on the market by spring with the Ionic, the Kia uh, EV6, and the uh, the Genesis GV60, and more coming later in the year. Um, <sighs> you know, and but you know by next spring we should also have the Cadillac Lyric as well. So there's there's oh, yeah, that the Lyric, uh, but which is yeah. really inexpensive. Yeah, surprisingly so. You know, it's only sixty grand. Oh, yeah, I don't. Okay, I'm. I don't understand. Okay, you know, what, GM, you do you. We'll see how. You know, we'll give. He <laughs> <laughs> like throw your hands in the air. I don't even. We'll see what I, happens. Okay, fine. <laughs> oh, oh, one one more thing. The Silverado EV does have is they've copied uh, Ford's uh, Pro Power on board system. So you get, uh, and they've gone just slightly higher. They got ten point two kilowatts. <laughs> Uh, and 10 outlets instead of 9.6 on the, the Ford. So you get 10.2 kilowatts of power from 10 outlets, including, including a 240 volt outlet. And one, one thing they Ooh. did do, do differently from Ford is uh, on the Ford trucks, um, the, the, the outlets in the bed are only on the, the, pa- on the driver's side, on the, on the left-hand side. Uh-huh. Um, and GM has split them, so there's some on each side of the bed. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Okay, that's like... 10.2 is a lot. Star. Also, a 240 volt, that's pretty... You can just charge, yeah. you know, your other cars with it. A 10.2. Yeah. 10.2 is more another... than my house. No, yeah. wait, what's my house doing right now? Yeah, I think it's more than what my house is, is putting out to our, our Kona. So you could charge my Kona. I mean, it's not a good idea, but you yeah. could do it. Well, I mean, for, just, this, to. just this past week, Ford did put out a press release, you know, showing that, yeah, you can, you can charge an EV um, from 
uh, either from the F-150 Lightning or from the, uh, from the hybrid, from the Power Boost hybrid, uh, if you have the, the 7.2 kilowatt uh, output, you can, you can plug in a charging cable and, and recharge your friend's EV uh, yeah. from it. Uh, and <laughs> GM isn't saying that they'll uh, – or GM did say that, that it can do that. They won't have the, the pro power backup system, house backup system, so you won't be able to plug oh. in your whole house to the Charge thing. your house. Yeah. You, could, you can also do it with the Hyundai Ionic. Which is on the market now. Just yeah. saying, that's all. I'm just- <laughs> yeah. Although with the Ionic, you only get one point one point eight kilowatts out, so it's like yeah, you know, it's, it's it'll hard, take a while. One twenty volt outlet. It's you know that's you know it'll take a while if you got time. Yeah, you get some can. time. You can. Yeah, and it's, it's there. It's, it's here. On sale. <laughs> it's on sale. You could just drive it around. You could. Yeah, you there, could there's, there's actually customers instance. that have received their Ionic fives already. Yeah, there's yes, like three real people. People. Mm-hmm. Five people, ten people—I don't know, not a lot, but at least it's—you know—it's that end of year. A number everyone, greater than zero of people. Number greater than one. zero, like people, like they've gotten their Rivians, their Hummer EVs, and the Ionic fives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a number greater than zero in all three of those vehicles. Mm-hmm. With the Rivians, I think it's—I think they've delivered about six hundred so far, um, almost all of them to employees. Still, it's six hundred that have actually made it out the door. Oh, I should yeah. have talked about the Rivian. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we can still talk about that. Talking because about electric I, trucks? Yeah. No, I drove the Rivian. That thing is dope. <laughs> I had it for a few days. I took it to Hollister in the rain and the and the mud. And uh, a lot of people stared. And it is it is such a really for as when you think about the everything that's working against uh, a, a company like that is like a they're a new company. B it's a new car. So a so there's a lot of things you're you're expecting. And you kind of get the benefit of the doubt, I think. And, and Tesla got the benefit of the doubt for years. And then at some point, they're like, okay, you're building hundreds of thousands of cars. You don't get the benefit of the doubt anymore. You have to build quality cars. You need to be building Toyota quality, at least Toyota in the 90s quality cars. You can't be building, you know, <laughs> not 80s. now Toyota, not that can, far. But <laughs> yeah, you can't be building 80s GM quality cars. You need to be building at least <laughs> Toyota 90s quality. Um, it's, yeah, it felt really, really well built, built, built. It is, yeah. It was a really fun car, and I think it's, oh man, that's it's that's gonna when I when I look at the Silverado and and what it is, it's the you know I, well, I haven't seen it, but you know if it's essentially the Avalanche, ooh, that's a tough because if they're also going for that sort of non work truck person, I mean the Rivian's there, it's there, it's you know three hundred and fourteen miles, or you pay ten thousand bucks for an extra eighty six miles to get four hundred miles. But that's not that's actually not going to be coming until. 2023. 2023, yeah. But 314 miles. I mean, we drove yeah. the Hollister. We stopped on the way, so we would have a lot of charge to drive around. The Hollister is the, an off-road park. I'm sorry. I didn't. Um, in, in Northern California. We drove it around, um, but we still had so much energy, and we were going to stop on the way back, uh, but we were like, hey, you know, it's raining, and we're going to be hitting traffic. Uh, let's just go back. And we went all the way back. No big deal. And it's about two hours from my house, so it's 100 and something miles. And it was, was yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, no, it's 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 a yeah. That's that's a tough. Whoo, that's going to be tough for the Silverado if it's not. <sighs> <laughs> All right. So another EV, new EV that is being revealed at during CES is the Chrysler Airflow concept, which is actually only kind of new, because in 2020, the last time that everybody showed up to CES in person. Um, The company that was then known as Fiat Chrysler Automobiles uh, on their stand had something called the Chrysler Vision Airflow, 
which was not a full vehicle concept. Uh, it just showed you had this, the silhouette of something new that they had not previously built, a, a crossoverish type of vehicle. Uh, and that concept was designed to focus on the interior. Uh, and it had all kinds of interesting interior stuff like a passenger side video screen and big center touch screens and uh, a lot of stuff that has since appeared in new Jeeps this year or in 2021. Uh, and the, but the, the shape of that body buck, which had no sides on it, it was, you know, it was a non-functional thing. The shape of that silver or the vision airflow uh, concept has now been completed into a complete working vehicle. And we actually saw this thing teased a couple of times during 2021 during virtual events that Stellantis did their EV day event in it was June or July. And then in the fall, when they did their AI day event, it showed up in there and they never, they never talked about it. It was just kind of there in the background and you saw it, you saw it hanging around shadows, but, but they, well, it wasn't even in shadows. I mean, it was right out in the open. They just never really didn't say they, anything. They, they, they never, they never said Chrysler or airflow or, or really said anything about it. It's like Except a horror that, movie where the bad guy's in the background. You don't notice until like, oh, wait, there's was, a bad guy. He's it was, been it all it was, time. It was, it was Chekhov's crossover. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so anyway, what we have now is, is more details on, on the actual Chrysler Airflow, which is, is going to be coming as a production model for Chrysler in a couple of years. And believe it or not, apparently Chrysler, the Chrysler brand actually has a future. Um, I, I spoke, uh, as we recorded this yesterday, I spoke yesterday with uh, Chris Fuel, Fuel, sorry. Uh, she is the CEO of the Chrysler brand uh, for Stellantis. Um, and right now, you know, as, as we speak, Chrysler has exactly two models in its lineup. The 300, which has been around for about 100 years. Uh, I think it was the original Chrysler, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and uh, the Pacifica minivan. Um, and, you know, the 300 is still a great car. But it is a little old. Um, and, yeah. And a after this segment, I will insert uh, the interview I did with Chris. But she said that, yeah, there is a future for the Chrysler brand. It's getting more new models. By 2028, it, the brand's going to be all electric. No more, no more internal combustion. Um, the Airflow, a production version of the Airflow, should be arriving by no later than 2025. Maybe, maybe possibly a little earlier than that. Uh, but there is more stuff coming even before then to the Chrysler brand. Uh, so there will be new models added to the Chrysler lineup in the next few years. Uh, in addition, so wait, to this one comes. Updates. This comes in 2025, but there's going to be new stuff between 2022 and 2025. They have on top yes. EV or yep. electrified in some way. They okay. they they wouldn't get into any details. But future product can't comment. Yeah, blah blah. Exactly. Blah. Okay. Yeah. The, yeah. The usual. Um, but the. The Airflow, you know, this is um, it's an e a crossover EV concept. It's built on the Stella Large EV platform that they talked about. They talked about four EV platforms for Stellantis: Stella Small, Medium, and Large, uh, and and the truck platform. Um, and this is on Stella Large. Um, it's she said it's you know they haven't shown given specifics of the dimensions, but she said it's a. a DE class vehicle and, and looking at the photos, you know, and, and people in the photos for scale, um, assuming that these are not either giants or dwarves, um, <laughs> this, it looks like it's close to the same size as a Mustang Mach-E or a Tesla Model Y. What do you think about it? 
I think it looks good. It and, and I say this in a in a, the best way possible. It's the most unChrysler looking Chrysler I've seen <laughs> in ages, and that's a good thing. Like it really looks sharp. I think in the exterior looks sharp. The inside shots that they have here, um, the abundance of screens because of that really high tech feel. But it also looks very open. They've done a good. It looks like they've done a neat job of designing something that makes use of all the space in the car and looks forward thinking and futuristic rather than like just holding on to old design ideas. It looks completely different for Chrysler. I think it's good. Yeah, I, I really dig it. I think it looks nice. I think it's 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 along the same design vein as the the E V six and the uh Mustang Mach E. Um but no I and I you know what I'm I'm a fan of both of those uh vehicles. So um yeah I, I, I think this is this is gonna do really well for them. Um I, I wish it was gonna be out sooner. Uh, 2025 is so far away. So That's three years. Yeah, I'd even be around by then. 2025 model year or calendar year. Uh, um, well, maybe 2024. Yeah, maybe late, maybe late, late, late 2023. Yeah, which is if we get lucky. If we make 20, it that far, I think 24 is more likely. <laughs> maybe mid 24. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, I think you know it's it looks nice. It looks like a production vehicle. It looks like something you would want to you know if you walked into the dealership, you're like, oh, what's that? And you right. know, I think a lot of people like these these sort of I guess crossover small SUVs, essentially raised hatchbacks at this point um, mm-hmm. that everyone is is building. And uh, I for one um, actually like these uh, mm-hmm. these little raised hatchbacks as a fan of hatchbacks. I'm like, you know what? We're fine. Yeah, <laughs> fine. You want to, you want something that's called this. Sure. I just wish the seating would let me see a little bit lower. That's always my, my you don't thing. You like the upright seating in these? You like to be lower? They're just always so low, high, and I always feel like it could go like another inch or so lower. Um, but, you know, everyone... Says the that's, giant. No, I know. <laughs> that's, that's true. So, you know, as the giant of the group, uh, uh, Hulk smash, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what, what, they, what they did reveal about the airflow, um, you know, it's expected to have about a 350 to 400 mile range. So, you know, right in the ballpark of, of what is going to be the industry standard, I think, you know, for, for vehicles in this class. Um, a uh, uh, Two motors um, with uh, about 400 horsepower combined between them. Uh, you know, it's it's a pretty standard layout. There's nothing really earth-shattering about all this. Uh, you know, the the whole. What are you talking about? There's a fancy like crystallized start-stop button. It's super fancy and forward. Did you see it? Well, this is uh, this is the concept. Who knows what's going to make it in production? Although uh, Vol- the Volvo does have that crystal shifter. Don't even tell me shifter. you're not going to have a fancy yeah. crystal button. You have a whole image devoted to this stupid button, Chrysler. There had best <laughs> be a crystal button when this thing comes out. Um, well, then you know you have Volvo has crystal, and now the iX has crystal as well. Yeah, and the they iX. Really they what's fun do is it that crystal. when the light hits those things, it hits you right in the eye, and you got a cool rainbow shooting through your iris. <laughs> I haven't had that problem. Maybe it's again yeah. the Hulk-sized height. Maybe for everybody it's, else, it just goes. Right Right over our heads. <laughs> Might have. I had it with, with the IX when I was driving it around. I had like little like you know, things hit me in the eye. <laughs> it was like dark side of the moon issue. Never a problem I've experienced with a crystal shifter or anything, but now I'm going to be super hyper aware of that if it ever like, oh, oh, God, my eyes. That's what Robbie was talking about. Um, yeah, they, you know, they, they also say that uh, you know, this will feature uh, what they're calling Stella Brain, which is their new electronic architecture that allow over-the-air updates for everything. Uh, so it'll have, you know, you'll be able to get new features that you can pay for uh, over time. And, um, you know, features or things that they fix that you don't have to go back to the dealer for for an update. Um, and then also uh, 
the uh, Stella cockpit, which is the, the, the infotainment interior system that they're uh, developing through their joint venture with Foxconn. Uh, so all that, uh, all, yeah, all that stuff is going to be in this uh, as well as other vehicles that share this platform. So, uh, you know, I think it's, it's good to hear that, you know, they are finally paying some attention to the Chrysler brand. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's, I think it's a, it's a good looking vehicle and hopefully it, uh, turns out to be as, you know, as good a vehicle in reality as it, as it seems to be, at least in these, uh, in these images. Mm-hmm. You know, they're going to come out that, that Pacifica EV and people are going to lose their minds. Yes, they are. <laughs> they're going to be like, the, oh, what? I love that Pacifica. The Pacifica is a, getting... Pacifica's great. You know, it, it wouldn't surprise me if that's, EV if that's something they do Instagram, before so. this thing shows up. Is, is One of the cars that EV? electrifies before this. Oh, my yeah. gosh. People, people really would go nuts. Can you imagine if yeah. they had a fully EV Pacifica? Oh, do yeah. that. I'd yeah. forgive the crystal crystal shift knob, Chrysler, if you can give us a fully EV Pacifica. <laughs> fully EV Pacifica. Yeah. They'll just have to make, like, spot, you know, they have to make cutouts in the, the batteries. So you can still do stow-and-go. Oh, yeah. That's, what would you do with it? You'd lose a stow-and-go, wouldn't you? You have to do because could there be the some super creative hybrid, engineering there or something? First hybrid didn't have stow and go in the backs. The 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 middle the middle row uh, they lost the, uh, the yeah the middle, middle row yeah. because the battery <laughs> went into the same cavity where the seats used to where go. The, the seats, seats would go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember like we did a video where I had to pick them because you could take them out, and we did a whole video of me carrying these giant stabby not, things out, and we're like, well, I mean, you can do way, it, but yeah. don't. Yeah. You could if you wanted to, but don't. Yeah. Don't plan that. <laughs> hey, everybody. It's Sam. A few days before Stellantis showed off the new Chrysler Airflow concept at CES 2022, I had a chance to sit down and chat briefly with Chris Fuel. Uh, she is the CEO of the Chrysler brand for North America. And uh, we talked a bit about uh, what uh, what's going on with Chrysler, whether the brand is going to survive, uh, and where she sees it going in the coming years. Uh, enjoy. Talking today with uh, Chris Fuel, the CEO of Chrysler brand uh, for Stellantis. Uh, Chrysler is making some news this week at uh, CES uh, with a new concept vehicle. Uh, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But uh, before we get into that, Chris, I want to talk with you a little bit about the Chrysler brand first um, and kind of where that where that brand stands, you know, obviously it was the, the origin of what was Chrysler, the Chrysler Corporation a long time ago. Um, and the brand has kind of shrunk a little bit over the last uh, decade or two, uh, down to two models. What, what is the status of the Chrysler brand and where is the Chrysler brand going? Great question, Sam. And as, as you pointed to, Chrysler has been an iconic brand for almost a hundred years now. It, it, it was a company and has since evolved to a portfolio of products, which unfortunately over the course of the last 10 years is now only two products. We're at the forefront of uh, an enormous revitalization of the brand, you know, really transforming the, the product line, what we stand for in terms of, clean mobility and connected solutions to really improve that driving and ownership experience, um, but also respecting the fact that Chrysler's heritage has been really rooted in delivering breakthrough innovation for the mainstream market and also creating new segments that really fill unmet needs. 
And if you think about Chrysler's heritage and the time with the airflow, the original airflow concept was first introduced in 1934 as, as a unibody constructed vehicle with a lot of advanced technologies like automatic transmission and push button start. And so if you, if you think about what that represented back in the 30s and what we're showing at CES with the new airflow in terms of our battery electric technology and all of the new Stellantis connected technologies like Stella Brain um, with artificial intelligence, smart cockpit, which really enhances the driver and passenger experiences seamlessly connecting their personal digital life with their mobile digital life. And then Stella Auto Drive with level three um, autonomous driving capability all brought together in one vehicle is just really exciting. And it's really relevant to be able to showcase the airflow concept at CES, which is such a technology forward event. So uh, yeah, clean mobility, connected solutions, uh, you know, that's you know, what we're seeing you know, really across most of the industry. You know, I think everybody's moving in that direction. Um, and what, what is what is you know beyond that you know as you mentioned you know the Christ the Chrysler brand you know going back to its origins when Walter Chrysler started it you know over its history has always had a, a history of doing some really unique innovations. What is it about the brand going? What 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 is the brand going to stand for going forward that distinguishes it from other companies in the industry? What, what will distinguish Chrysler from other brands in the industry is the integration of clean mobility and by 2028 being a full battery electric portfolio and incorporating that with the seamless connected technology that really improve the, the driving and the passenger experience within the vehicle. Um, and then leveraging the technology of Stella Brain to incorporate those over-the-air updates that keep the vehicle fresh, the ability to add new features and technologies on demand, and improve that service experience for the customer so that each day they're driving the vehicle is better than the previous day that they had it before. Um, it's it's about clean mobility, but it's a, a, about really the enhanced experience because it's not just about getting people from point A to point B anymore. We're creating that seamlessly connected hub that brings the customer's lifestyle along with the vehicle. Um, so today, Chrysler has the 300 and uh, the the Pacifica, uh, which, you know, in and both of them are, you know, still excellent vehicles. You know, I'm a big fan of the Pacifica and, and even though the 300 has been around for a while, you know, it's still a remarkably good vehicle, but they're both in market segments that are in decline, shall we say, you know, to be honest, um, where, you know, will we, do, can we expect to see um, more new models coming, you know, beyond the, the airflow, additional new uh, nameplates coming to the Chrysler brand over the next five to 10 years? Um, and what kind of segments do you see the brand growing into? 
Yeah, great, great question, Sam. Clearly, in order for, for Chrysler to grow, we need some new products in this segment. Um, interestingly, through COVID, the minivan segment has actually been on an upswing uh, as, as people have been moving to more suburban areas from urban areas and they need transportation for their families. Um, but, but nonetheless, it's critical for us to launch new products in key growth segments like sport utility. And Airflow is definitely representative of that um, large to mid-sized crossover segment that you can expect us to come out with some new entries within to serve. Okay. So getting to the Airflow now, uh, a little more detail. Um, two years ago at CES uh, in 2020, uh, on this, what was then the Fiat Chrysler stand, there was this vision airflow concept, which was a body silhouette, but it was really focused more on the interior concept. But that silhouette is is what we're seeing now in its fully fleshed out form uh, with the with the airflow uh, that you're showing this year. Um, tell us a little bit more about that vehicle, and you know. Uh, you know, from the materials we've seen so far, um, you know, there hasn't been a lot given out in terms of its dimensions or anything, but where does that, where do you see that fitting into the, the market? The, the airflow from a dimensional perspective really slides nicely in that D to E size uh, crossover utility segment. Um, from an exterior design perspective, it really um, speaks to the new design theme and direction that we're looking to take Chrysler in, more contemporary, very technology-forward exterior design. And we're really excited to introduce the new Chrysler Wing logo that's fully lit with LED crystallized lighting um, and carried through the tail lamps as as well. So it's a very um, aerodynamic stance, which helps with the fuel economy and in the range, we're expecting to deliver between 350 and 400 miles of range with the battery electric technology, uh, along with fast charging capabilities. Um, and we want that dynamic proportion and, and that really contemporary theme to extend to the interior as well. Um, and we want to take that theme of clean mobility and sustainability by using sustainable premium high touch materials on the interior as well. Um, A lot of battery electric vehicles today have very plain, uh, somewhat sterile interiors, and we want the airflow and the future Chrysler interior to really be welcoming, um, comfortable, um, but also high tech and have all of those premium touch points that consumers expect from Chrysler. We've been really well known in package versatility. So you'll see us introduce some really interesting breakthrough configurability um, and personalization of the interior space so that whether a driver or a passenger is in the vehicle, they can customize that experience for themselves. When you talk about uh, customization, uh, going back, I, think, I can't remember, it was 2017 or 2018, uh, Chrysler showed a concept called the Portal, a uh, smaller yes. minivan, you know, that was also had a lo- that same idea of configurability, being able to slide seats forward and back, take them out. Uh, are you, do you plan to go to that kind of degree with the airflow or is it something, you know, maybe not quite that extreme? 
Well, um, it, you may not see it in the airflow, but we are completely rethinking the portfolio strategy for the new Chrysler products. And you can expect to see us much like we did almost 40 years ago in creating the minivan segment. We're looking to completely transform that segment again. And so, you know, really interesting and breakthrough um, concepts with seating design and configurability um, to accommodate the shifting needs that consumers have for personal use of space and transporting both passengers as well as things. And then with the growth of, of ride sharing, um, going on in, in the United States, you know, we want to be able to make sure that the, the passenger spaces can be configurable, but also sanitary and safe at the same time. Those are very high needs that our customers are looking for. And we want to be able to deliver that in, in new breakthrough solutions. Okay. Uh, with the airflow uh, at the EV day last July, um, it talked about four EV platforms across Stellantis, the, the, uh, the truck platform, and then the small, medium, and, and large, Stella large, medium, and small uh, EV platforms. Which one does the, the airflow sit on? Is that a medium or a large? It's on Stella large. Okay. Um, and with, you know, with the, um, you know, you, you talked about, uh, you know, offering, uh, potentially offering vehicles in some of these other kinds of segments or, or to target other parts of the market. Um, do you see something at some point, maybe like the portal being available, uh, you know, uh, as, as a solution for, you know, ride hailing or robo taxi platforms? Yeah, potentially. Um, as I mentioned, we are working on several concepts to really redefine the MPV segment as we know it today. Um, it was a segment that we created over 40 years ago, and we we don't want to come out with just um, an updated Pacifica. You know, we we really want to rethink what consumers are looking for in that segment and how can we continue to transform and, and deliver differentiated solutions that improve the riding driving experience. Um, you know, safety is always going to be a, a paramount need in that segment. Um, and, and we've been a leader in, in safety um, as well as the only minivan in the segment with PHEV technology. So we think that we position ourselves well and having a battery electric solution, um, connected experiences, and then also delivering that really unique configurable interior space as well. Yeah, and I think that uh, you know that the combination of the, the plug-in hybrid and that configurable interior is something that that's made the Pacifica quite popular among various companies around the world developing automated driving systems. You know, it's, it, it's been one of the most popular uh, solutions there, you know, because the, the sliding doors and everything, you know, Waymo is obviously using many yes. of them and, and auto X and quite a few other companies have, have used the Pacifica hybrid. So I think that's, you know, something like that seems like it would be a, a, a great solution. How, Potentially, how big do you see the, the the Chrysler lineup getting? You know, we're talking maybe four or five models, uh, fewer than that, more than that. 
you know, obviously can't well, give me specifics, but you know, just, you know, kind of, I can't, I certainly can't give you specifics, but I think you're, you're in that range. We, we, we only have two nameplates today. Right. <laughs> and, and so we're, we're looking to develop and launch a new vehicle pretty much every year um, from 2025 forward. Is, is that when we're going to see the airflow launch is the, the, from in 2025s the the first new Chrysler? The first new Chrysler will launch in 2025. I can't tell you whether, <laughs> in fact, it will be the airflow. Okay. Um, all right. Um, and will, will we see any, aside from, you know, ongoing updates to the Pacifica, um, you know, can we expect to see other, anything else new from Chrysler before 2025? Yes, for sure. Um, we, we have to keep the portfolio fresh for the next few years until the brand new models start to launch. And so you can see that we will be launching by the end of the year, um, new 300 buzz models, uh, and as well as doing some relaunches of um, the, the major enhancements that we had on the Pacifica in 2021, that because of some pr- production starts and stops with chip shortages sure. really didn't get amplified in the marketplace. So we'll be talking again about the addition of all-wheel drive, the Pinnacle series, certainly you know, promoting the plug-in hybrid and the clean technology and great fuel economy that that delivers along with the stow-and-go seating that we're so well-known for in, in our minivan lineup. Yeah, the um, you know the the three hundred uh, you know it's it's become you know, over the last twenty years you know almost twenty years you know since it launched uh, in its current form you know has become something of an icon for Chrysler. Um, you yes. know, as 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 that platform goes away and as you make that shift away from internal combustion engines, you know, which has been a, a key part of that. Do you see a vehicle like that continuing to be a part of the the Chrysler lineup? Is there still space for something like a big sedan? We 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 think that there that there is and that there could be. And the 300 brand name is so well known um, and so um, well recognized and, and positively viewed um, in in the market. Um, we haven't ruled out the possibility of launching a a large sedan in a battery electric form in the Chrysler portfolio. All right. Um, anything else about where where Chrysler is going that I haven't asked you about that uh, you think the listeners should be uh, considering and, and thinking about? Yeah, I, I think the the one thing I would like to mention is the fact that when you're transforming a, a brand like Chrysler, that has been really well known as a company as as well. Um, we, we have to make sure that we're respecting the fact that people still think of Chrysler as a company and take good care in how we go through that transformation process. And so it's not just about creating and launching new products, but it's really about also transforming that customer experience and the, the kinds of things that customers who want battery electric products and more advanced technologies, they want a different kind of purchase and and ownership experience as well that is highly digitized. They want to have that closer relationship with the company that they're doing business with. 
And so we are looking at ways to completely reinvent that process and improve that experience and deliver on that Chrysler brand promise from day one throughout the ownership cycle as well. All right. Well, with that, I'm going to let you go and get ready for your for your next call. I really appreciate your time today. This has uh, been really helpful in understanding where Chrysler is going and, and what you're doing with the airflow. Um, Chris Fuel, thank you so much today. Thanks, Sam. Appreciate it. Nice to meet with you. All right. Um, one other thing that <clears throat> in all likelihood would have appeared at CES uh, had Waymo not canceled their plans to appear at CES is an announcement that just came out uh, that they were partnering with Geely um, for a custom robo taxi. And, um, you know, so this, you know, Geely is the Chinese automaker that also owns uh, Volvo and Polestar and a number of brands that are sold in, in China, uh, including a, a brand called Zeker with a Z or Z, uh, depending on where you're from. And so they, they've developed this custom robo taxi. Uh, for Waymo that, you know, it's electric as, as you would expect. And it's, it's basically a a small minivan. Uh, And unlike, you know, things like the cruise origin or the Zooks um, robo taxi, uh, all the seats are facing in the same direction. It doesn't use carriage seating, which I thought was interesting. Um, You guys have any thoughts on this thing? I wish they would just make this and like sell it to people as a car. And not a robo. I mean, they can make the robo taxi, whatever. That's going to be yeah. who knows when that make a version happen. with controls. Yeah, like it, this is it's like a tiny uh, ID Buzz is what it is. Yeah, like if they were like, hey, you go here's a here's a nice small minivan that's an electric, and it's it, it's funny because it's designed in Sweden. Well, I wonder what company helped them design it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> who knows? Um, so yeah, no, I, I I dig it. I think it is weird that it doesn't have you know carriage seating if it's going to be a robo taxi. Like everyone's. I mean, if you can sit, if if you're all going to just be sitting in there on your way to wherever you're going, you, you can talk to each other. I, maybe it's you know because some you know you'll have uh, like group like you know you pick up one person and another person carpooling, and then maybe those people don't want to talk. I guess you could do that, but then maybe you could just have the we, the, the 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 seats spin around. Like you get in, you're like, no, nah, I don't want to talk to you, and you spin it around. Well, I, I get I get the impression that they're you know they're also going to sell a version of this at least in China. Um, for you know, ride hailing taxi services, you know, that yeah. is not self driving. Uh, yeah, you know, that is a conventional version of this. Uh, but yeah, you know, I think it would be cool if they did offer something like this. I think they're, they're, I don't know how huge the market would be, at least in North America. I think you know, maybe in other regions, it would probably be a bigger market. It probably wouldn't be a huge seller here, but it'd be cool to have something like this. You know, a smaller type of minivan. Yeah, I think you know. I think people want to go and do things with their minivans now and their I think vans. Some people like it, it's smaller than a minivan. A lot of people like the whole sliding door axis of a minivan, but don't necessarily want the minivan like the yeah. big size. Yeah. So I guess depending. So an on actual mini minivan. Like a yeah, mini uh, minivan, a mini minivan, mini minivan. Yeah, a mini minivan. Mini minivan. So <laughs> this would be the mini minivan if you wanted something that was just yeah the mini minivan. They, much- they should sell it that way. Like, think how much room it has because it has a really high ceiling, it has low, you know, entrance. So you could put so much, so much room for activities. Is so what you I'm get saying. minivan without having to say you drive a minivan. Instead, I drive this really cool Waymo thing. You get. The, I drive is, a Zeke. No, what is the name that I Zeker? Zeker. I drive a Zeker, which sounds like a name for a Muppet. But okay, <laughs> I drive a Zeker. <laughs> 
It's got really crazy orange hair that bounces back and forth. Yeah, yeah. Okay. the arms move in tandem. Yeah, exactly. Uh, All right, let's answer some listener questions. Um, first up from Adam J. Um, have any of you watched the new comedy American Auto on NBC? I highly recommend it. It wasn't wasn't expecting much, but it's actually very funny, and the auto industry jokes are great. You can watch on Peacock too. I watched the two episodes that are out. Um, I okay. So my my rule of thumb where, for shows is they get three episodes. The pilot is always going to be a little wonky because that's you have to you have to shoot that, write it, shoot it, and you have to introduce all the characters and everything this show is about in twenty two minutes. Right. And so you're you're doing a lot of work. And so the second one, you're like, okay, months later after it, that pilot's been ordered, we can do this second episode. And so now they're trying to like figure out the characters, you know, trying to massage everything. By the third episode, that's when you feel like they have like a little bit of a of a stride, and then you sort of figure it out from there. Um, the first two episodes, I, I just I, the the creator is he's created some other things that I like, and it just kind of. I felt like it missed on a lot. Of, I feel like I was trying too hard. That's my the, uh, the on the first thing. two episodes, and I, I'm like, okay, well, uh, uh, so I'm gonna give it one more episode, see how it goes. That's my the yeah. only the one I'm with you on the episode. Give it three shots and see. But the only thing that I really thought that that really did actually make me laugh is when they were revealing the car, and there were the guys I don't know like break dancing in front of it, and the crazy music, and the. Like they were mocking the whole show of when you reveal a car and rip the sheet off in an auto show. I'm like, that was cute and like sloppy, but cute. I got it. But I, mm, I don't know. I, I'm, we'll see after episode three. I'm with you, Robbie. I need yeah. one more episode, but I'm so far not super keen on it. I have not watched it, so <laughs> I, I might give it a shot, but we'll see. Give it a shot. I mean, there's 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 parts of it, and but there's some parts you're just like, uh. Maybe. Is it less funny because we do work in the auto industry? That's the, like, see, no, that's, that's the problem. I think people get you get very. It's it's very. You know, the 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 suspension of disbelief is really difficult when you work in an industry like any show about newsrooms. You know, mm-hmm. like I can't think there was a show called Newsrooms, and I've worked in like a working newsroom, like a big open. And it's just people swearing and yelling at each other the entire time, and that should be fine. But they have these like these long soliloquies and these like, like no one does that. No one has time yeah. because you, you got a file, and so you start getting in your head about those sorts of things. So it's maybe that's it. Maybe that's why it's well, not man, hitting us. I think that might have just been because it was written by Aaron Sorkin. That's also yeah. true. If somebody else yeah. did a newsroom show. It might be different, but um, so yeah, I think yeah. There's give it if if yeah. you know what I'm, I'm not going to yuck your yum, Adam. I think if I you enjoy it, if you enjoy it, enjoy yeah. it. Keep watching it. Watch what you like. Exactly. That's what everyone should do is watch what you like yeah. or listen to what you like. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Darkwood Thief asks, as I was listening to this conversation, I, was, I wondered, and referring to our previous discussion of solar roofs, uh, I wondered, could solar-powered passenger-carrying trains be successful in America? I guess we'd have to get trains to be more successful first. <laughs> It's so weird that people in America hate trains. We do. We're anti-train. They they absolutely love trains, which is sort of weird. I'm from a town that has – I'm from Tehachapi. And if you're a train person, you automatically know what Tehachapi is because it's a Tehachapi loop, which is a thing when I – Wait. Is it's that a, in California? Where the heck is t- it's in Cali- it's in Ca- it's in California. It's it's Tehachapi. I can't even say it. It's above the mountain. It's it's above Bakersfield in the mountains. 
Okay. If you're super into trains, you know exactly what I'm saying when I say Tehachapi. <laughs> like, oh, the Tehachapi Loop and blah, blah, blah. So, you know, there were trains and actual hobos would hop off the trains in my hometown. Do they have a stick with a little red and white? Like, Never bass? had the stick. I'm very disappointed. Oh, um, but sad. then on the other end, everyone's like, oh, trains are dumb. Why would you take a train? And then when you go to Europe and you get on a train, like, this is awesome. This is how we should be chewing trains. But we, like, we didn't buy well, – I don't know what happened. And there was a time when America was, like, super interesting. Like, I think of – but it's Russ's grandfather. He was super into trains. But the man, you know, would be 105 years old right now. Like, that's not – yeah. I, I think, know you know, if you, if you live in the Northeast and you can take the Accela, you know, I think a lot of people like taking that. Or, you know, if you live in Connecticut or – you know other you know other places around New York, and you take commuter trains. You know, like people people appreciate that. Um, you know, I when I if I have to go to Chicago, I love taking the train to Chicago. You know, uh, it's a it's better than flying to Chicago. But yeah, I mean, the, I think part of the problem is the U.S. is compared to Europe and a lot of other regions. It's the population centers are so spread apart that it becomes really hard to take a train. Mm. Yeah, because you're like, well, I can just get on a plane. And the plane's like $30 or $50 or whatever weird deal Southwest Airlines has at the time. So I feel like the answer to this question is, yes, solar power passenger carried trains could be as successful as non-solar powered passenger trains. (laughs) (laughs) I think the solar power, I mean, the solar power is not enough to actually run the train. I don't think we have have that technology. But you could use the solar power to do other things, you know, the, the trains still have to use electricity for all the fancy things, you know, the lounge car itself probably uses a lot of electricity making, I don't go. know, mixed drinks. I don't know what happens in the lounge car, but I'm sure that's probably, I'm sure they're making pina coladas nonstop the whole time. Yeah, mo- and microwave modern- and burritos. <laughs> mo- modern trains are all diesel electric hybrids. So they're all electrified anyway. Um, and, you know, if you can put solar panels on the roof of the cars uh, to collect some energy and, and put some batteries in there, yeah, it's certainly something you could do. It it would be it would be worthwhile to you know to add solar to trains to you know in order to make them more efficient. But they're already way more efficient than aviation or you know road you know driving a vehicle. So uh, you know when you look at the amount of energy it takes to move either people or freight by train, it is by far the the most efficient way to get stuff around. Plus, you get to say, "I'm on a train." I love taking the train when I can just because, you know, you don't have to go through all the hassle of going, you know, going to an airport, going through the airport and security and all the other nonsense. You, you can show oh. up five minutes before the train gets there, you know, step on the train and, and go. And yeah. more often than not, you know, usually, you know, the train stations are right downtown. You know, Chicago, you get off at Union Station, you're right in the middle of downtown. It's way better than flying to Chicago. And you can get seats that have little tables, and you can play Uno. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I mean, you can't play Uno on a plane because it's all flying, and you're, everyone's sitting like in the same direction. Even in coach class, you get a, way more room to, oh, to yeah. spread out and move around than you do on a plane. You can just like get up and go to the lounge. You get a microwave burrito, or you can yeah. bring your food on. Yeah. All right. Uh, ZBM327 on Twitter asks, will BEVs open up opportunities for some cars manufacturers entering the North American market due to emissions no longer being a factor? I think it's it's possible, but you also have to take into like a lot of the safety regulations, like the front they're of the car. So and, yeah. Yeah. They're so, yeah, you, you, you had to do so many different things to a car to bring it to the United States versus what the rules are in Europe or Japan. And I think that's one of the excuses that Honda uses for not bringing us the Honda E. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it's a real reason, but I think it's an excuse. It's yeah. I, I bring the Honda E over here. I don't know why you didn't do that, but fine. We got the Mini SE, so whatever. Yeah. <laughs> He's not bitter though. Not bitter at all. I'm not bitter. I I hassled Honda so much. I I emailed like I, essentially every Honda person I knew. I wrote like multiple articles about it. We're not getting the Honda E, and I understand like, the reason. Stop, Robbie. It's not happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like, stop making. Try, stop trying to make fetch happen. Uh, you're not getting the <laughs> Honda E, but yeah, rules. Yeah, safe, safe, the crash safety regulations and a lot of other stuff you know, are still very expensive. You know, yeah, it, it does make it simpler. But on the other hand, you know, you also have to set up some sort of distribution network, you know, parts and service. And, you know, a lot of that stuff, that's, there's still a huge in, investment in, involved with that. So some, some will try to enter the market, you know, whether they'll be successful, we'll see. Craig Lemoyne, uh, here's a question. Does the Honda Accord really deserve to be on Car and Driver's 10 best list every year? Nice car, but it almost seems like a gimmick that they put it on there every stinking time. As, as, as the alumni of the Car and Driver staff. Yes, yeah, speak to this, Sam. Explain okay. yourself. Not me, uh, him. Oh, oh him. Oh. Roberto, explain yourself. I'm actually wearing entire... a, a Car and Driver shirt right now uh, that they oh gave us out like, during one of the things. <laughs> Uh, no, it, you know what, car and driver, uh, the testing team over there, they're, they're not messing around. That is not, they don't take anything lightly They're They take their, they take their, their job very seriously. Everything they do, they do with purpose. Um, and you know, get in a Honda Accord. That's all you have to do. Just get in a Honda Accord every few years. And when you close that door, you're like, Oh, why? Okay. Yeah. This is why, this is why this car is what it is. And it'll continue to be what it is. As long as Honda doesn't mess it up. It yeah, it sort of deserves to be on the ten best list every I mean, year. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, a very Kim, it is, is a anybody, solid good car. Is there anybody who would? I mean, journalists that not even if you're um, car and driver, but is there anyone who's like, no, the Honda Accord that that thing's a piece of poo. That's terrible. <laughs> Nobody really says that no, about yeah. the Accord, right? Yeah. Everybody like you're like, oh, I don't maybe this little thing or maybe that little thing or I don't like this change or I don't like that change. But overall, oh no, darn good car. So that's it makes yeah. sense. It's not. It's not unwarranted that it shows up there. It's it's one but of those things. You get in a Honda, you close that door, and then like, every other car in that segment, like when you close the door, you're like, okay. It's, but it's just for some reason that, thump, you're like, oh, that's quality right there. That's the that's the stuff right there. Yeah, it's a good car. All right. So the answer is yes. Deserves to be there. Yeah. As long as you know. Three Series BMW. Eh, maybe not. Yeah. Yeah, they you know they're not gonna put it there just because they're putting it there. They're yeah. you know the team over there. They're not, again they're not messing around. They're not like yeah this will be fun to do for 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 the for the lulls. No, that's not that is definitely not the <laughs> testing team. Having worked with them, uh, um, they are definitely not for the lulls type people. <laughs> All right. Uh, while we're recording, another one came in on Twitter from Brianna Wu. Uh, she asks, uh, should I install an aftermarket stereo with CarPlay in my 997? So that's a, a late 90s uh, Porsche 911. Uh, or should I wait until next year and see if Porsche puts out the mythical PCCM Plus that has been rumored been rumored forever? So that's uh, Porsche's... Um, aftermarket solution that provides uh, CarPlay support uh, for older 911s. Uh, I would say, you know, if I think, I think the 997, I believe is the one that uh, Brianna just bought uh, this past summer uh, somewhere down South and drove back up to Massachusetts uh, that she was thinking about uh, flipping. Um, 
I would say go ahead and, and put in, you can get a doubled in kit for, you know, to install any doubled in stereo head unit in a 997. Just go ahead and do that. There's lots of good um, CarPlay slash Android Auto aftermarket head units available now in the five, six hundred, seven hundred dollar range. Uh, there's even some some decent ones, you know, in the three to four hundred dollar range now. Uh, you know, go go get one of those and drop it in there, and you'll be a lot happier, and it, it will probably work as well or better than anything that Porsche eventually puts out, if assuming they do put it out. Do you have a tape uh, player or a CD player? In the current one, in her nine nine seven right now. I I don't know what she's got in there. If she, I had, I don't know. I'm I. Uh, on one hand, I'm like you know, CarPlay makes things so much easier because of text messaging. Really, yes. it comes down the text messaging and navigation. Like you know, I can get yeah, being able to do that by voice. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's that's that that is really the selling point of of CarPlay to me. Um, if that's something you really you feel like you need, then do it. If you. Th- Think they're? I mean, I'm sure Porsche will probably do it. They're 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 going to do it. And if you buy, you know, the double din and you throw it in, and then Porsche comes out with it, just take it out and sell it. It's a double. It's universal double din. You could sell it to. Yeah, and, and, and if you, you can want, find a yeah, find you can a BRZ put the original over. one back in there too. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, just, hold on just to that. Keep all the original stuff. Make sure the person, if if you're installing it, which I feel like Brianna's probably going to be installing it herself because she knows, you know, she knows what she up. does that. Yeah, so you can you know go get you can get a Crutchfield kit and then just put the little thing in and then it's very easy to sort of reverse that. Um, don't let you know rando guy three thousand do it who just ruins <laughs> your yeah, no, she, who ruins your. I I I, I in the nineties I used to help people put stereos in their car and there's a lot of bad stereo installers. <laughs> oh yeah, like like what is going on back here? <laughs> like what is it's just open wires sitting there? I'm like oh my god. <laughs> Um, yeah. So, you know, you can always swap it out. And then, you know, when the, when the Porsche one comes out, uh, every BRZ owner needs a better stereo as far as I'm concerned. It's double dense. So you can, you can sell, you can just go on crazy. Like, Hey, you own a BRZ? Hey, you tired of trash? (laughs) (laughs) Yep. I got something for you. I got something for you. All right. Final question, uh, from Wes, uh, asks, if you didn't review cars for a living and get to experience so many regularly, what would your daily or weekend drives be? I would imagine being able to test drive so many means that you no longer have to seek a particular vehicle you'd normally obsess over. Well, I mean, we all own vehicles of our own, but you know, if if you weren't a reviewer, what would you drive? I pr- I would be driving what I'm driving now, which is the BRZ. Just because I like the rear-wheel drive, it has to be something with a manual transmission. If I wasn't, you know, pre-being a reviewer, I was driving, you know. All the cars I owned up until someone gave us that the X type uh, was a manual transmission, um, and of course the Kona because it's an EV. But uh, yeah, I'd probably be driving the BRZ or something else in that sort of. I don't even know what else. Maybe a GTI. Gosh, I don't. I Golf don't know. GTI. I mean, Golf GTI is a great car. That'd by be the way, fun. it is a great car. I like the GTI. So. Um... Gosh, I have a Charger. It's a 2010, and the reason it's older is because I don't need to buy a new car because of what you're saying. I'm a reviewer, but if I were a reviewer, I'd probably replaced it. But I, I don't know. I feel like I still would have picked something, probably not a great bigger sedan like that, um, but some sporty little crossover probably. I like the crossover thing. I have, you know, the kids until recently were both home all the time, and you need that little extra space for kids' stuff. And when I have a tiny car as a press car, I always fi- feel like, I wish I had a little bit more room in the trunk. Like you didn't have to be like, I got to get another car and come home for that thing, you know? 
uh, for the mulch. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I think I'd, I'd probably drive a sporty little crossover, some fun little crossover. I, I don't know which one. I, can, I don't know what I would. I don't know what I would drive if I didn't do this. Oh, I've been doing this man. for ten years. I can't make that decision. <laughs> I feel like my my. I saw like it was a. A Datsun 2000, 69 Datsun 2000, then a 90 Honda Civic hatchback, and then another, like a 92 Honda Civic hatchback, and then a Del Sol, and then there's like, I mean, I'm essentially just leading up to like, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, I'm pretty predictable when it comes, oh, a WRX sport wagon. If that hadn't exploded, I would still have my 2000. See, like, and I have the weirdest WRX wagon. I had like, the first car I had was a, that I bought was a Jetta. With a manual transmission, I had the Turbo Beetle. I had a Jeep Liberty. I had a Scion XD, the saddest And you are all over the place. <laughs> uh, yeah, right? And now I have a Charger. So there's no rhyme or reason to what I drive. So I'm like, what do I... Mm, no, no, it makes no sense whatsoever. Whatever strikes my fancy at the moment, I decide I need to buy a new car. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've gone through... You know, when In college, I had an, an 84 GMC S15. Went to a 91 Mustang 5-liter LX. Um, then went from that to a Dodge Stratus that I drove for a few years when the kids were younger, uh, and I was commuting a lot. Um, then to a 2005 Mustang, um, and then uh, let's see, after that, uh, oh, that's that's when I I had the um, uh, got the Miata after the Mustang, uh, you know, and, and on you know my, for my wife, you know, in the years we've been married, she's gone from a Mercury Sable to. Uh, a, a VW Passat wagon to a Jetta wagon, uh, and now the Civic. So, and we keep our cars for a long time anyway. I mean, I've always done that. We've always, always put a lot. You know, keep them I've, as long as we can. I've never purchased a new car. I've leased two cars. We leased the uh, Fiat 500 after the WRX exploded, and I was the only. My wife was in schools, and we lived in San Francisco, so we couldn't afford to buy anything. Um, and the, the, the Fiat 500 lease, it was a manual transmission, which was, which was what we wanted. And it was, you know, sort of cutesy and weird and it had got easy to park in a place like, and easy to park. And, and, you know, it was $120 a month. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so yeah, so it's, yeah, we, the only, I've never, and the Kona electric, which we were leasing, but I've, but other than those, like, I've never like, both of those were sort of like, well, I guess the electric, you gotta be new. But before that, like I never, the only new vehicle I've ever purchased is my uh, my Vespa. Wow, I've never bought a used car. I've always bought new cars. And I wouldn't, you know what I was saying? I wouldn't have an electric or a hybrid probably if I wasn't doing this. Because I think I'd be someone to be like, bah, whatever. <laughs> I, I really do. I would be that person. I'd be the person like, I don't need this new. I just give you my gas engine. This? So it would definitely, yeah, until it was, yeah, I don't, I don't know that I would have had hybrids. Or, 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 yeah, I would not really, have a plug-in hybrid in my driveway right now. It really is once you drive one, you're like, oh. Yeah, that's it. Like, yeah. you kind of have to, like, experience one to go, wait, these are actually kind of cool with, like, an EV or a hybrid, you know? Otherwise, you're like, I don't know. Who moved my yeah, When, when the, when the time comes to replace the Civic, we probably will replace it with an EV. But for now, you know, I mean, my wife only drives it, I don't know, 7,500 miles a year. Yeah. So, it, it, you know, it doesn't, yeah. doesn't really make any difference. You know, yeah. It's 34 miles per gallon. So Yeah, that'll last for a thousand years. Go. Yeah. All right, that's it for uh, for this time. Uh, thank you so much, everybody. Uh, Happy New Year. And, Happy New uh, Year, people. Happy New Year. Talk to you all next time. Bye. 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 All the barking happened at the end. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.